Hey, Gen. Hey, what's up, man? So you you know how that that Lion King remake happened? You know, you know yeah, I'm I'm aware that Disney will remake everything from my childhood until I die. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So you know how like some people liked it, some people didn't. Some people. Some people. You know who didn't like it? Who didn't like it? Elton John. Oh, what happened? So he was asked about the movie because you know he he worked on. Yeah, he did some of the songs. Right. Yeah. 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 So here here's a here's a quote from him. Oh boy. His question: Have you seen the new Lion King film? Here's his quote. The new version of The Lion King was a huge disappointment to me because I believe they messed the music up. Music was so much a part of the original and the music in the current film did not have the same impact. The magic and joy were lost. The soundtrack hadn't had nearly the same impact in the charts that it had 25 years ago when it was the best-selling album of the year. The new soundtrack fell off the charts so quickly despite the massive box office success. I wish I'd been invited to the party more, but the creative vision for the film and its music was was different this time around, and I wasn't really welcomed or treated with the same level of respect. That makes me extremely sad. I'm so happy that the right spirit for the music lives on with the Lion King stage musical. That is apparently supposed to be very good. That's very uh, highly regarded. Well, Elton John just dead ass said, "As the lions and dance around." He just said that it's better than the movie. Well, a lot of people like this. And he's like pissed at them. You could tell. I feel like he should be. Because they didn't. No, I've listened to some of the tracks and they, they're they're generally not as good. Yeah. Just, you know, just like the remake itself of Key Scenes, it's just generally not as good. You know, some, you know, strange, isn't it? Weird. It's almost I like. I could probably count the amount of remakes that are better than the original on like one hand. And even then, it has to be so drastic and so different to, like, render it almost a not a remake, but an original film entirely. Like, uh, Suspiria. Yeah. Or, like, John Carpenter's The Thing, which is a remake of The Thing from Another World. That's a good one. Yeah. They exist. They certainly exist. But they but take the, the creative vision and they change it? They don't change it. They just make it... Their own, maybe? I can't even say they do that, because it's really just retreading the same... Oh, the, 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 oh, the Disney... Oh, I was talking about like other people who make remakes. Oh, ahead. yeah. Well, the ones where you change the creative vision. It's like a cover of a song. Right. Like, you know, like... <laughs> this year, Weezer put out the Teal album, where they covered a bunch of songs. And, like, yeah, their cover of Africa is fun. But when you get right down to it, that entire album was kind of off for me yeah same as Weezer often uh, is yeah. because their covers of songs sounded very similar in nature to the songs they were covering it, they didn't really bring with them what you'd think it would sound like if Weezer covered something they probably should have kept Weezer's sound while covering those songs other than the fact that Rivers is singing it, they sound instrumentally identical. Yeah. And that's awfully boring to me when that happens. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm more of a fan of, like, when when an artist covers a song and makes it their own. Like, uh, like something weird, like, Cake covers War Pigs. Yeah. That's not a Black Sabbath song anymore. They turned it into a four-minute-long Cake song. And he sounds just as bored in that one as he does in all the other cake songs. Uh, and that's part of the charm, you know. And that's I feel that same way about remakes, which yeah. covers kind of are in a way. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, do not just regurgitate the same thing. It's just except it's happening now instead of years ago. Uh, we're probably going to talk about this a lot later, actually. Yeah, but it kind of wraps in with uh, yeah. the remake we'll be talking about we'll later today. this discussion. Yeah. Wow, it's like we planned this. You did, and I did. You don't plan shit, Justin. I saw this you know one. what I planned? Huh. Lying to you about the Joker movie yeah, you a did. Bunch. You did do that. You got me with that shit. I saw this on Twitter. I saw the quote from that on Twitter earlier today, and I was like, oh, I'm using that. It's like, that's funny. The bitch is back, that's dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got him. I like Elton John. Uh, me too. Fuck these Disney remakes. I'm sick of them already. Yeah, I'm disappointed in John Favreau. Wanted to believe. Jungle Book was okay. Yeah, Jungle Book was fine. But again, it, not as good as the original. Yeah, and it's the best one out of all of these fucking remakes. So far, I, I have some hopes for Mulan. Because we'll uh, it, it looks different. Wow. Uh, hopefully it is different and isn't just Mulan. We'll see. One hopes. We'll see. Can't wait for that Nightmare Before Christmas remake. It's coming. Starring, I don't know, you know how garbage that movie will be in live action? Oh, God, it's gonna be fucking awful. Do, do they go with CGI characters or they just go with, like, a guy and they just, like, put makeup on him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is it Johnny Depp? Uh-huh. <laughs> Do they get Tim Burton to do it? Uh-huh. They probably would, too. Yep, and Tim Burton to do it, because apparently he'll do anything Disney tells him to do. Yep. Dumbo, get- Alice in Wonderland, twice. Oh, boy. Yep, then you get Johnny Depp on it, and it's garbage. As it so often is nowadays. Get Johnny Depp on it, it's garbage. I'm glad he got eaten by a bed in that one movie. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Get him. <laughs> Yes. Should have stayed in the bed, Johnny. Eat abusers, dude. <laughs> See, Freddy Krueger was an ally the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Freddy Krueger might be the opposite of an ally. Don't endorse my statement. No, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's incorrect, objectively incorrect. Literally killed for being a pedophile Freddy Krueger ally. <laughs> Super Saiyan 7. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Get It Jump Show. Let's get... Hey, what up? It's my... My name is Zach. I'm Jump. My name is Genhart. Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to talk about a really fucking shitty movie we watched. This remake of Fuck Me. Wow, dude. You hated Joker that much? Fuck, <laughs> Yeah, before we do that, we're going to talk about more movies. This is going to be a very movie-centric episode. We talk about a lot more yeah, movies besides the shitty movie. we're going to talk mostly about three films we watched. Uh... Oh, Obviously, for week. our central Gen and Jub uh, movie series watching, our final topic of discussion will be the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake from 2003, unfortunately. Oh, God. But before that, uh, what would you do this week, Justin? You play some games? You watch some crap? Yeah, we, we did watch anything? some crap. I'll get uh, one quick game thing out of the way, because I only play yeah, one thing. I want to talk about thing. a game as well, so let's do that first. Yeah, the, um, Apex Legends again. I like to talk about this game. They added boo! a... No, I'm just kidding. I don't they know. added a Halloween event. Oh, boo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, real boo. Different boo. Actual boo. <laughs> 
and it's uh, it's a little spooky, a little, little, little spooky spook. But the best part about it is there is a new game mode they introduced, and it is uh, zombies, basically. Wow, but, Call of Duty is back. But not like Call of Duty zombies, more like Halo zombies. Yeah, I know. I was being a meme. Where everybody, you like 35 people, I think it is, you drop into a game, right? Yeah. And it's on the old map, because they did the new map. So it's on the old map, but it's like spookified. Like a bunch of things are like ghouls and stuff. A bunch of stuff that flies around the map are like ghouly, and like there's it's all dark, and there's candles everywhere, and like you could open some chests, and spiders or zombies will crawl out. It's fun. Fun. Yeah, it's good. It's a good time. It, it looks really cool and spooky. Spooky. And it happens. You go into a game, and it proceeds like kind of like a solos game, in a battle royale where you're just grabbing stuff and you're fighting people. When you die, you become a zombie. Hell yeah, dude! And then you proceed to hunt the living players for the rest of the game. And this keeps going until there's 10 people left. Those 10 people get morphed into their own squad, and then they have to leave on a dropship that appears. They have to make it to the dropship without dying. If all the humans die, the zombies win. If at least one human makes it out, the humans win. Okay, cool. And it's just, it's just that. A little simple, really Sounds fun. Like something a little different for that game. Something it is very little, different. Uh, yeah. Fresh to keep the game going. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's really fun. You know, online games really throw me off because this isn't what I'm used to personally as a video game player where, like, the game changes yeah. completely. Oh, yeah. It's, it's to the uh, point where, like, you know, Fortnite thing happened. Fortnite thing definitely happened. Fortnite just uh, became Black Hole and, like, clearly it was intentional and marketing, but people still went... Where's my Fortnite? I paid money for this. I'll sue you about it. Uh, yep. And Fortnite Chapter Two is called. Came out. They added a bunch. Of, on a new map. They added a bunch of stuff. I bet the sequel's worse than the original. Damn. <laughs> ah, hell, I don't know. I don't play. God, even even before Chapter Two happened, Fortnite was a shadow of not a shadow of its former self, but like completely different. I would say. Yeah, th- this is kind of my overall point, is that I just... It's just another thing. not as big of a... F- like, because, you know... I mean, I play Crash Team Racing. That's my online game. Yeah. But as far as that goes, like, you know... The maps that came out as previous DLC, as previous whatever events, are still there. You still play on those courses. Yeah. You still play with the characters. And, like, I don't know. Fortnite doesn't have that map anymore. It's gone. Yep. And that really makes things feel finite and weird to me. Like, you know, unless like a WoW classic happens that just the old shit's gone forever. And that's weird. That's wild. Fortnite's been destroying locations and replacing them with different things this Yeah, whole they've been time. doing that along for a long... Yeah, I'm saying like you can't get the past back. Nope. Where it's, it's like, you know, maybe it's a metaphor for life. But really, like if you... Any other fucking game, now nah, you can still put it in and play it. So like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It is very strange. Strange times we live in. But the Apex event is fun. Uh, it's nice to go back to the old map again for some stuff because we've only been able good. to play on the new uh, map. I just, yeah. Now, uh, Ape, they're already for Apex already. They said that they're going to add the option to play on the old map in the future. They just want... That's good. That's kind of all I would prefer. Yeah. It's just that for right now, like I, I understand what they did now. They took away the old map and put everybody on the new map so they can... Learn the new map. Yes, yeah, so they can learn the new map and then they could drop the spooky old map on them and it'll feel fresh again because you haven't played the new map for like a month you haven't played the old map for like a month and then you go back into it like oh look it's the old map and it's just spooky it's cool it kind of helped helped with that a lot sure sure it's a good time I enjoy it and hopefully later on they just have it in the queue or like you just get randomly plopped into either map 
and then whichever one it is, you go in. I assume that'll be how it be. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, what PUBG does now? Yeah, PUBG, you can days? you can either choose what map. Oh, excuse me, you just have to choose what map you go on, or you could just hit random. Oh, okay. But then there's like a hundred people playing. So like. right, there's enough people playing that game worldwide. Uh, no, I mean I'm saying like, does it is it kind of like a voting system? Yeah, sometimes. Okay, it, it depends. Uh, for. For Apex, there's only gonna be two maps. It's just gonna be random. Well, that's, probably. that's just gonna be random, I assume. Yeah, and there's only and there are only sixty player matches, which also helps with that. Yeah, sure. That's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's far less than than PUBG or Fortnite. Yeah. Smaller map though, too. Is the thing. Fun, fun, fun shit though. I enjoy it. What did you do? Oh God, um, I played a terrible game. Oh yeah, you played Harvester. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I played Harvester. Go off, buddy. I really don't know where to begin with Harvester. Uh, <laughs> the beginning. I played through the whole thing with uh, Josh Cutlip, your brubber. Yeah. Your twin brubber. Yeah. There's two of Job, isn't there? There is. There are two uh, of me. So, okay. Harvester is a point and click. Came out in uh, 96, I believe. Uh, it's one of those FMV kind of point and clicks. So the cutscenes are full motion video. And if you don't know what that means because you uh, live in uh, modern day society, uh, <laughs> I'll try it. You know, it's like that Sega CD shit where, like, uh, you know, we were first getting live action cutscenes. Yeah, it, it's and just games. it's live action video recordings, but yeah, they couldn't possibly process. Yeah, so it's hyper-condensed and shitty-looking. Yeah. Uh, And and this was a PC game, so it's not nearly as shitty-looking as stuff that was on, like, the Sega CD at the time. Right. But um, it it certainly looks wonky. There's, like, outlines around characters, and and they they look rather strange because the game... Is FMV, but then your character is also a real. He looks like it, it kind of looks like Mortal Kombat kind of shit. Yeah, where like th- those are real people and they just kind of like moved them around like they were claymation, uh, <laughs> kinda. Uh, and it looks like that. Like your character is a real man. Uh, you play as a man named Steve, and he walks around the environment, and it's just a guy. It's a real guy, and then like some of the environments look sort of realistic, like they photographed a living room or something. But then some of them are incredibly unrealistic to the point of lunacy uh, later on. And it just leads to this really weird, ugly visual style for the game, which in many respects, I think it is going for. Now, the entire reason to play Harvester would be you, you know it is considered bad, and you know that it is considered... Quite possibly one of the most violent and fucked up games ever made. Very controversial when it came out. Yeah. I think all of the violence is delivered in such an over-the-top stupid way that it's... I wouldn't say tame, because a lot of it is really gory. Yeah, but by today's standards, it's probably a little... It's not realistic. It's very fucking stupid, too. (sighs) I'm going to spoil the game here. Go ahead. And, and and just to, to clarify, probably like throughout all of our movie discussions, we're going to be talking about the movie entirely, probably at large with spoilers. Yeah. Uh, so maybe, I don't know, I, I don't care for Texas Chainsaw, but for the other ones, we should probably get timestamp codes and shit. Just you, give so. me, you give me a second here. Let me yeah, write sure. down where, where we're starting here. Well, for Harvester, I don't really give a shit at all. Okay. To be honest, because I don't, okay, think, so I'll wait. I don't think anyone should play this game. Okay, yeah. yeah, you're right. I'll wait. I'll wait until we start the actual movie. But if you do want to uh, experience some of these uh, things, 
uh, just look up shit on YouTube uh, instead of playing it. <laughs> to be yeah. quite honest, I mean, there's funny stuff you can get from playing it, but like honestly, you could probably just look up like uh, Vine Sauce Joel played it. Just watch that. That's probably fine. Uh, you get a lot of the stuff that is in the game. Uh, a lot of it is superfluous and nonsense. So anyway, you play as a guy named Steve, and he wakes up one day in, in this weird like childhood bedroom that uh, isn't his. He has amnesia. He has no idea where he is or who he is, but he's told that his name is Steve, and he talks to his supposed mom, but he doesn't recognize her in the kitchen. Talks to his brother. His dad's locked in the bedroom for some reason because he's quote-unquote sick. Uh, you go, and, and your mom tells you that you... Uh, should go uh you're getting married next week to a girl that you don't know named stephanie and you can go next door and uh meet her and meet her parents and uh everything in this town is fucked up and weird and every character is fucked up and weird uh i I think i saw (laughs) i forget the review uh there was a review that said it was like twin peaks if it was made by uwe ball (laughs) 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 and like yeah in a lot of ways because it like it does things that like it thinks are clever and, and and then they're just it's just fucking nonsense. Uh, let me like think of some of the weird eccentric individuals in the town. Well we can start with your father in law. He's a uh, large man who uh, is obsessed with meat. Like literally meat. Uh, your dad works at the meat plant and uh, so he wants he kinda wants this marriage to work out so that he can get into the meat business and, and get that meat. <laughs> And he uh, is also potentially a murderer slash pedophile man. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> Great. Uh, oh, by the way, the meat plant, uh, when you go there, uh, they just cut up cats, turn them into meat. And it's not even, like, subtle. There's just literally a dead cut-in-half cat on the, the butcher's table when you go in there to talk to the guy. It's very nice. Uh, there's a lady who is obsessed with wasps who lives in uh, what is referred to as an abandoned house, but she lives there and is surrounded <laughs> by wasps and talks about wasps in a sexual way. Probably the most sane character in this game, actually. When Jesus you get right Christ. Down to it. Uh, no, fucking seriously, for real. Because uh, <laughs> you start finding out crazy shit. Uh, there's a little boy who comes to your house every day, and he... Uh, is the newspaper boy, but instead of delivering you a paper, you're supposed to give him a paper. And you have a box of papers in your house. And you can get one at the beginning of each day. The game operates on a day-to-night cycle. And you have to give him a paper. And if you don't give him a paper, he will eventually get very upset with you and uh, shoot you with his gun. This is a little kid. He shoots you and kills you with a gun. Now, this is a good time to bring up the fact that uh, the first thing we did in this fucking game... You may notice that when you play this game, you have dedicated punch buttons, and you can uh, later equip weapons and then attack things, and it's a point-and-click, and this combat is terrible. This combat system is terrible, because uh, yeah. it's directional, too. You can punch forward, upward, or downward, and it's very awkward, and uh, if you you can just get hurt really easily if you don't know what you're doing, and you don't know what you're doing. Because the right. system is bad. Yeah. Um, and it become the game becomes incredibly reliant on this combat system towards the uh, final third of the game. And it's monotonous and bad. And if you don't, like, just find hidden items that make the experience more tolerable, you will probably just lose at the end of the game and get stuck. Me and Josh almost did if we didn't just look up where to find a hidden scythe and shotgun ammo and shit uh, earlier. 
Uh, yeah, because there's guns too. They work a similar way. Uh, so the first thing we fucking did, we're like, fuck it. Let's. Oops, we punched the kid. Punched the newspaper <laughs> boy in the face. Whips out a gun and murders us. And we were just stunned. <laughs> we, were just, we were just like, I believe I just like said what 19 times. And then like Josh got up and walked around the room. Because <laughs> like, we got a game over within the first five minutes of this game from a child shooting us with a gun. And that sets the tone for the game right there. You can go to the school, your former school. Principal's a little creepy. Says stuff about quality time with with kids. No, it's really creepy. But then you go meet the teacher, and uh, she says, you know, you can't spank the kids like you used to, but you could use a baseball bat. And then they have a fire drill or like an a bomb drill or something. Okay. And then like this kid like asks her a question, and she fucking nails him with a baseball bat. And it's played off like it's cartoonish at first. Because it plays this, like, you know, ba-ding sound effect and, like, shows, like, the kid spinning around, his head spinning around, like, it, you know, like a cartoon. Yeah. But then it just cuts to that kid fucking cracked glasses and bleeding on the ground. So she killed that kid. So that happened. Well, great. Uh, by the way, the school is named the Gein Memorial School. Yeah, that's right, Ed Gein. God damn it. That's, 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 that's good. What else is there? Uh, there's a lot of creepy characters, to, numerous to mention. No, there's a guy, one that I saw, it's in front of, uh, I think it's like a nuclear plant, and there's a guy with yes. uh, no legs. There's a guy with no legs and a button, and it's, no, it's literally a nuclear missile base. Oh, okay. There are nukes there, and if you talk to him and upset him, he will accuse you of being a communist and shoot you, and then the button... Which is for the nukes will fall down and get pressed, and then the world will be nuked, and that's your game over. Amazing. And that's probably the best scenario for this town, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, you eventually find out that, like, you meet the lodge in the center of town, and there's this fucking guy with a beard and, like, Jedi robes, monk robes, whatever. And he talks to you psychically, uh, which is really stupid looking. In cutscenes, no, I'm uh, sure. With like a deep, like Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget voice, you must initiate yourself into the order and stuff like that. I can't do it. It's even deeper than that. Uh, you know, you know, uh, Doctor Claw. Uh huh. Sure do. Uh, it sounded like that a bit. So he basically tells you that in order to discover any solution. To your problems in life, you have to become an initiate of the Lodge. In order to do that, you need an application. That's your first puzzle in the game. Once you figure that bullshit out, he begins to give you tasks for the day, and those are your puzzles for the first, like, maybe two-thirds of this game. And they start out comedically stupid. Like, you expect him to go, like, go murder this person, but it's just like, go key Mr. Johnson's car. And you do it. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) By the way, you can attack anyone at any point and possibly kill them, but then you will be arrested by the sheriff. Uh, But there is a alternative thing you can do in this game. You go to the TV station, you kill the executive in his office. You will not be killed for this. You may not be arrested for this because he's just alone in his office and no one knows that you did it. Then you get into his safe... And you find out that he did some, I, I forget what, but some illegal shit with the sheriff. And then you have blackmail on the sheriff. So then you can give this evidence to the sheriff. 
but you have to copy it first at the general store so that you still have a copy, so you still have the blackmail on him. Uh, and then he will be like, I'll give you a get-out-of-jail-free card, and then after you do something fucked up, you will still be fine afterwards. So that's huh. a thing you can do. Uh, we never ended up using it. We just kind of, like, abused saves and uh, just kept going through the game without uh, murdering anyone, at least at first, that we didn't have to right. murder. Because uh, there's quite a lot of people you can murder uh, freely uh, later. But early, it's difficult to do because you will get arrested. Right. Uh, so then you just got to do tasks, and then the tasks end up hurting people unintentionally, including one really uh, grisly scene where you burn down the diner, and then the woman in charge of running the diner uh, hangs herself because she now has no livelihood. Uh, and hangs her daughter, too. It's really grisly. There's lots of grisly child murder in this game. That's weird. Some that you take place in, take part in later. Possibly the grisliest scene in the game is just happens randomly when you just wake up one day and talk to the mom. There's a there's a newborn kid in the room with the mom, uh-huh. and the baby like fucking coughs and his eyes pop out. Oh, uh, t- to the side a little bit. There's popping out a little bit, and she's just like, "Oh no!" And uh, your character's like, "Is he okay?" And then the mom's like, he's okay, I just gotta pop his eyes back in. And she does, but she, like, squishes his fucking eyes. Oh. So, yeah. And then it's, like, so quick and nonchalant that, like, it, it's it's just bizarre. It's so bizarre. Yeah. This, this game has lots of unpleasant shit in it, but it also has a, a lot of funny, random bullshit in it. Okay. Too. Uh... You uh, <laughs> you uh, you finally meet your dad by sneaking into his room, and it's a room filled with sex toys and blood. Oh, and, great! And he says that his relationship with your mom is very violent. Their sex, uh, with barbed wire and uh, scalpels and shit. Jesus. And if you break in there and <laughs> and alert the mom, uh, she will she will shoot you with a shotgun and kill you. What the fuck? Oops. <laughs> uh, so anyway, eventually you get inside the lodge. This is after your girlfriend gets, I guess, kidnapped, or your wife-to-be, who you've never met. Yeah. She she gets kidnapped slash possibly murdered. You find a skull and spinal cord in her bed uh, in, a, in possibly the funniest scene in the game because, like, you think that she's just been murdered, and then the sheriff is there, and he just keeps eating pie. Uh, a lot of it. And, and all the acting in this game is bad, by the way. Oh, of course. And all of it is FMV. awkward, too, because it's that weird FMV video, so it looks like shit, yeah. and then, like, it's green-screened, and then, like, everything just has this... Every, the whole game has an aura of shit surrounding it that you can't escape yeah. <laughs> while you're playing it. Uh but so then you you go to the lodge because the, her remains had the card like whatever initiated your initiation or whatever. And then you finally go in the lodge and the lodge is a place of no logic. Uh, you go from oh, weird, goopy, innard looking rooms like you're inside a person. It's some vor ass shit. Uh, there's literally buttholes that you go through to go to other rooms. Uh, to weird. just like uh, swanky game rooms, and there's a chess player, there's a butchery, uh, there's uh, just weird rooms with weird shit happening in them that are bizarre and strange. Eventually, you get to like trials that are like about the mystery of hunger, the mystery of sex, the mystery of uh, war, uh, the mystery of motherhood, and they're all fucking stupid. 
random things that are just bullshit and morbid. Uh, the mom one is one of the most notorious scenes in the game. There is a mom just being cannibalized by her own kids. Oh. Just laying down on the ground, and she's like, this is the mystery of motherhood. It just eats you alive. <laughs> and then the kids attack you, and you have to murder them. Uh, oh. And then you could kill her, too, which we did. You know, put her out of her misery. That's fine. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then there's, like, a lot of weird shit. There's a dude whipping a guy, and he's like, in order to pass, you have to whip the guy. Or you could do that, or you can kill the guy who's telling you to whip the guy. And, you know, there's no real correct answer to any of these. It's all just about your personal choice in the matter. Like, there's a weird gladiator man telling you to execute two elderly people. And you can either do it. Or kill the guy. Or both. No. And and then there's like a girl who's like, this is I this is the mystery of lust. Do you think I'm attractive? And you could be like, no, and she's like, fuck you, and then attacks you, and then you have to kill her. I don't know what happens with the other option, because we just said no anyway. <laughs> uh, there's a really, really strange one where there's like a uh a madam and some hookers and you can uh, fuck them but then you get an STD that slowly drains your health or you cannot fuck them and then they attack you and then you have to kill them uh, there's no correct choice every choice makes you a terrible person yeah that's what it seems because like because the game makes you be a terrible person on purpose yeah uh, but not in a good way like something like I don't know Lisa yeah if you ever heard of that that's a good game that analyzes fucked up concepts in a interesting way. Uh, this analyzes them in a very stupid way. And sometimes it's schlocky, stupid fun, but often it's just uncomfortable and just like the only enjoyment you can get is like, what the fuck? How did this make it into a video game? Yeah. Kind of level shit. And eventually you get to the end and the end is the stupidest bullshit of all. The stupidest bullshit of all. Guess what, Jusby? Hmm. Here's the twist of Harvester. None of it is real. It took place in a virtual reality simulation. The simulation is designed to take your subconscious negative thoughts and mold your person into a serial killer. For some reason, there's a weird, creepy organization doing this to you. Uh, so you and Stephanie are the only real people in the entire thing. And the uh, creepy uh, monk robe Dr. Claw voice man says, you have to choose. You kill Stephanie and then she'll die in the real fucking life. And then you will now be a murderer in real life. And now you will be a serial killer. Or you cannot kill Stephanie and I'll be very disappointed. But I can't, you know, you've done what you came here to do. So then we will kill both of you. Uh, but you will live a lifetime here in Harvest happily, just in in the span of seconds in the mental VR state. So you can either do that or kill her and escape into the real world. Uh, we saved, did both endings, both are stupid. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, you just die in the one, <clears throat> but they get married and have kids. And like, I don't know why you'd want to stay in Harvester because it's a fucked up, terrible place with fucked up, terrible people in it. Right. And then the other one, you, you kill her, and it's really, really, really violent. He literally does, like, a fatality on her and pulls her fucking spinal cord and skull out. How the fuck? Uh, whatever. The fuck it. <laughs> you, they wake you up, and now you're a serial killer, and you kill people. But then it cuts to a non-sequitur 
or like the point of the game, possibly. I can't get a read on the creator. He, it's very contradictory, the things he said. It cuts to a, the character from the game playing the game on a computer and like laughing at it and shit. And then his mom comes in and is like, I wish you wouldn't play those terrible games. Don't you think they would like have a an impact on your psyche? And he's just like, Haha, fuck you, mom. You're an idiot. Wouldn't do anything to me. Ha 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 And that's how the game ends. And there's, like, uh, several moments in this game that seem to, like, hint at the discussion of real-world violence and fictional violence possibly coinciding in some manner. Like, like the discussion of, do, does video game violence cause real violence? Does violence in the media impact media, like, the, like violence in real life at all? And I hate that argument. Me too. I really do. It's garbage. I feel like... Psychopaths will be psychopaths no matter what. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Whether they get inspiration from something is irrelevant. They would have got inspiration from anything. John Lennon's kill, killer held up catcher in the rye. Yeah. What are you, you going to do, man? Right. Uh, the people will latch on to dumb bullshit all the time. Yeah. So if that is this guy's major point, which I can't tell if this, that's that guy's major point, the guy who made this game because there's not a lot of information about his personal feelings about it out there, possibly because this game sucked. <laughs> uh, I, I'm choosing to believe that he meant it as like some kind of like meta wink-wink commentary about the debate, because this is 96. I guess around this time, this game like probably blew some people's minds because it's incredibly violent for the era. Yeah. The most violent thing people had seen at that point was probably Mortal Kombat in video games. Yeah. Which... Is is violent, but like Mortal Kombat is very cartoonish, and it comes at the end of a fight between two opponents, and then like those opponents can just fight again. This like when you kill people, it's really grisly, and you can kill people who didn't do anything. But then most of the people who you do kill uh, are also shitty. I don't really know how like this is supposed to be looked at as like a serial killer maker because like literally everyone in this town sucks. You're not killing innocent people. Everyone is a fucked up fucking weirdo to cartoonish degrees. Right. That they're like, you know, killers themselves or pedophiles or just have done illegal things like burn down buildings and stuff. Everyone's a shithead. So maybe that was the point they're trying to get. Like, this is how serial killers look at the world and... Blah, blah, blah. If you watch too much TV, Junior, this is how you'll look at the world. I don't know. But that kind of soured my entire experience with the game. The last third is the worst part because it's just nonsense. The mystery of what the fuck the town is kept me and Josh playing, I think. Yeah. Because you just kept finding one weird, stupid thing after another in this game. Another weird cutscene was just around the corner. Another weird task for us to complete was right around the corner. But once you get to that last third, it's just a... Just horseshit, nonsensical horseshit leading up to the end, which is nonsensical horseshit. Uh, so that's my rant on that. That game sucks. Don't play it. But there are funny things in it. If you just want to see someone react to the weird, crazy bullshit in that game, just watch a video on YouTube, honestly. Because that's all you really get out of it. It's yeah. funny to see Jimmy shoot you to death. <laughs> it's funny to see the, the town get nuked. It's funny to hear some of the weird ass dialogue that's just out of this fucking world weird but man that last third of the game is very very galaxy brain creative and by, by that I mean uncreative right 
it thinks it's smart. It thinks it's being art. It's being garbage is what it's being. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to rant about that a bit. That's fine. Because uh, fuck that. All right. So is it time to start talking about the other two movies? Yeah, dude. Jokey? We can start with Jokey. Let's start with Jokey. I gotta say so get hurt. I gotta say something before we talk about it. Oh, okay. You go ahead. I tricked you. My Joker's tricked you. Yeah. My Joker's tricked the fuck out of you. Yeah. LMAO. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Joker's trick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, if, if you listened to the podcast uh, last week... You may have noticed that I said several dumb things that are not true about Joker. Yes. I did that on purpose so that Jusby would think that they were in the movie. Because I lied to him and said, Hey, here's five things, and only one of them is not true. Whereas in reality, all of them were false. Every single one was false. But then Jusby pulled a fast one and said, Wait, I know. Because one of the things I said was... The Waynes are not in this movie. Yeah. But they are. And Jusby knew that beforehand. So he was like, oh, well, then that's the true one. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck. You figured it out. Except. Except they were all fucking stupid bullshit. <laughs> the ones I said. So here's what I said. There's a Death Grip song. I really don't know how you believed me, to be honest. I don't know why there would be a Death Grip song. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Would you, though? No, not really. I thought Death Grips was a weirdo out there choice. What should, what would I have said that would actually made you go, oh, Genhart's fucking with me? Hmm. Like Weezer. <laughs> there's a Weezer song in it? <laughs> like, you told me there's a Death Grips song, I'd be like, all right. You told me there's, like, a Nine Inch Nails song, I'd be like, all right. You told me there's a Boney Bear song, I'd be like, all right. But uh, Weezer. But Weezer, no. Hmm. Die, die, you zombie bastards. Oh, no. Oh, it, it would have to be New Weezer, right? It's a tie-in. I said that the Scorsese references got out of hand and Joker says, funny like a clown, do I amuse you? I mean, I'm not saying this movie is brilliantly written. It's a fine film. It's fine. But what? And then I said Zazie Beats played Harleen. And then I said Mark Maron had the biggest role besides Joker himself when he's in the movie for 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then, and then I said, uh, Joker climbs into a fridge like Indiana Jones. Yeah, and that's before. the other true one. Yeah. I believe Justin said they would never do that. That's stupid. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and by God, but, the scene where he but just... But lo and behold, the Joker climbs into a refrigerator in this movie. Gotta, you know, it's because of society. Yeah, society's society. getting too hot. He's <laughs> Need gotta to cool, cool off. Down. <laughs> Time to cool off. Get in the fridge. It should happen in the Mister Freeze edgy, edgy origin. Why movie the fuck did he make. get in the fridge? I don't know. I kind of, I, I want to think that that was a Joaquin Phoenix decision. I'm sure it was. He's like, and not a Todd Phillips script decision. They're probably uh, like, oh, go do something. He's like, I'm gonna climb in the fridge. <laughs> he just like went and did it. Yeah, he probably just did it on set one day, like without even like asking. And then they just, then they just put it in the movie because they was like, that's brilliant. Went in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I kind of said what I thought about Joker last week. What did you think about Joker now that you've seen it? I personally I, really liked it. I this this is still really challenging for me because I think the 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 movie as a whole is just kind of like a cavalcade of misery and it's just like 
most of the time not in any like kind of a particularly entertaining way where it's just mostly like this this guy in his tortured existence that leads him into basically becoming a serial killer and that's better examination of that than harvester oh uh, yeah I'll definitely that yeah this is this is this is <laughs> This is a mentally ill person. The Joker is about a mentally ill person who... Uh, Weirdly similar... Gets chewed up and spit out by society to an extent that it, he turns into a serial killer because of it. Weirdly similar subject matter in everything we're discussing today, oddly enough. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, very dark shit we're talking about today. Well, just for spooky time. I all guess. sides of the... You know, it's like, a, it's like a D&D alignment chart of fucked up white boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Guy from Harvester. Joker... Jesse Pinkman, Leatherface. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm gonna have to make that alignment chart. The yeah, Gen you and Jub, famous characters from things that Gen and Jub have talked about. Alignment D and D alignment chart. You go ahead and do that. I don't. Is is Leatherface even? I don't know if he thinks what he's doing is evil. Is he like neutral evil? A chaotic neutral chaotic neutral maybe yeah, yeah that's fair because i don't think he recognizes what he's doing is but anyway fuck that shit talk about joker i'm sorry okay so yeah so because of all of that in the i'm not sure i particularly like personally enjoy the film or in fact would even maybe like to see it again or at least wait a while before doing so i think the movie is very distressing as a whole it's very well made um the script's good enough and Joaquin Phoenix's performance uplifts just about everything wrong with the script I, w- I would definitely agree on that I feel like you know there's lots of other good actors that could have played the Joker make no mistake but this movie is really elevated by Joaquin Phoenix being the actor yeah because he does such thing. an excellent job uh, yeah it's his movie through and through yeah. there's really no other side characters that matter as much as him no, oh, no, yeah, not uh, at all. It's a movie is about him and what happens to him. Yeah, what turns him into the Joker. Maybe in the movie for ten minutes, each person. Like I bet, like uh, the, he dominates the screen time. Yeah, and it's and obviously it's challenging to be sympathetic with him because he's uh, the Joker, and he. Well, yeah. What what turns into like is uh, a desperate act of self defense. Um, kind of evolves into something greater because of a reaction from society and him going along with it because it appeases his mental state. Getting getting uh, mental help in, like, the worst way possible. Right. Yeah. To go basically pinging you the opposite direction that the mental health industry is uh, it, trying to do for people. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and, and it goes... It has a little bit of commentary on society as a whole. We live in a society, whatever. <laughs> It's the meme. He it's says the meme. society in he the does. movie. Oh man, he does say the he does say the meme. I don't hate the line. I thought, no, the, I thought people, the sign was great. The line was great. Of, like film Twitter was like dunking on the society line because like I can't believe they just did they just leave this in the movie. And I was like I I feel like at that point in the movie at the fever pitch that you reach at that point in the movie where the tension like, is, at, is at its highest is at its highest. Yeah, uh, that line works actually. His frustrations are boiling out at that point. It's the first time he's talking, and it's, like, actually what he feels. Right. One of the first, at least. Uh, yeah. Instead of him just being kind of quiet about it. Yeah. And he, he starts to get to that point, like, throughout the movie. You see him coming out a little bit more and, like, talking about the way he feels about things. Like, when he gets fired from his job, 
he walks in and like starts talking shit and he says oh and then what is probably the only funny scene in the entire movie this is when he say, he uh he goes to leave and then he walks back. He's like, Oh, I forgot to punch out and he punches the punch clock so much that it falls off the wall and that then was he walks a legitimately out. funny scene. I laughed at that. I'm glad they didn't entirely lose the humor that could be part of this character. Yeah. Even the more fucked up interpretations of him over the years have still retained that to a certain degree. You have to. His entire thing yeah. is like making jokes and shit. And like being a being a sarcastic dick sometimes. It's kinda like Joker's thing. Um, other than that, uh, the the uh, just the color palette of the movie in general is very interesting because it's not like it's lacking color, but it is very dark. Yeah, th- this is this is doing gritty correctly. I think it's so. It's really yeah. colorful, actually, at moments. Yeah, but um, I mean, honestly, this will tie in later. It really reminds me of how like Breaking Bad uses color. It uses it yeah. to make a point. Right. Like, characters' color palettes actually have to deal with their emotions, and they change throughout the series. It's yeah. a really interesting thing to look at. Walter White starts in, like, greens and bright greens, and then transitions to, like, fucking black, and that's it by the end of the movie. You notice <laughs> the uh, the scene when he uh, he reads that his mom's letter, he's, like, wearing all red. Yeah. And well, like that's, that's stuff a standard like that. film thing. Red represents distress. Color right. in film. Right. But I, I'm a big fan of like that as a concept, and I feel like a lot of people don't tend, think about we it. We tend to ignore it. Yeah, but I think it's very important. Like, I talk about that with Texas Chainsaw because the entire movie uh, has no color. What's the color that would represent that movie? Brown. I'd go with brown. Yeah, sure. Even, like the, even, the, even the blood looks brown <laughs> in that movie. Yeah, it's muted and stupid. It's horrendous. It was really. Really popular in the two thousands. It was yeah, it was a big thing. Zack Snyder likes to mute colors. And yeah, too, I don't and know like, what what sparked that. Uh, but I don't know. I think it's a misunderstanding of what dark means. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we meant thematically dark. Okay, make the movie dark, like literally. <laughs> Other than that, I I think Joker is a very good movie, um, but I'm not sure how much I like it. I'm still thinking about it. I think maybe overall I just like more fucked up cinema than you, possibly. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, this kind of refers back to uh, when we talked about the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Yeah. Where you talk about how it's your favorite horror movie and everything like that. And you love watching it. And I'm the exact opposite where, like, I hate watching this movie. Right. I adore this movie and I think it, like, I, I adore Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I think it's super important and it's one of the most well-made horror movies of all time. And I fucking hate watching it because it's so distressing. And... Joker kind of falls along a similar line. Nowhere near as extreme, I don't think. No, but... But in a lot of ways, it's it's portraying a, a real issue that we have, which is our mental health yeah. system. Now, and it's portraying it in, in not necessarily the most realistic way, but in a way that is distressing, in a way that people could be distressed by this issue. And... Like, I'm already it, distressed by the issue. And then going it is really movie. fucked up. It's really fucked up. And it's fucked up that there isn't really a solution, and the good guys don't win at the end of the movie, and it's just fucking sad. Because it's the origin of a villain. Yeah. And, and usually those are, like, a side scene. Maybe you get, like, a little brief, you know, like, I don't know. Let's think of, like, you know... Not that this is, like, distressing, but, like, in Batman 89 or something, like, you get the yeah. Joker origin and that. But it's not necessarily the end of the movie. 
you know, you got to go through the whole rest of the movie first. Right. So, you know, Batman wins at the end of that movie. Spoiler. Uh, so, like, this movie doesn't end with anything good happening at all. It ends with, like, the worst shit happening ever. It ends with and, Batman uh, being born. And... That way, it's maybe even worse than Texas Chainsaw in some respects, because at least one person gets away. Uh, Joker's just fucked up for life, and so is that city. The entire city, yep. basically. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a couple things I didn't, like, I could point on, definitely off the top of my head that I didn't like about the movie. Um, we were talking about this before, where I think the whole, the whole protest, the whole, like, uh, one comment that Thomas Wayne says turns it to full, full-blown riots, I think it's a little nonsensical, and I understand why they did it. I just, uh, I just, it doesn't sit right with me as something that, like, could happen in a movie that, despite being a comic book movie, is, at, by this point, incredibly grounded. Yeah, I think it's trying to have its cake and eat it, too, in that respect. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, maybe in the comics, Joker could trick the city into... Not that he planned it that way. No, it was but in a like, complete accident. But in the comics, Joker could trick the people to do what he wants or something. You know what I mean? And, like, whereas... That would never happen in real life. Yeah. In a comic book, sure. In a comic book, sure. You have riots with people wearing clown masks. Whatever. Uh, it reminded me of some shit that happens in Watchmen that isn't necessarily on planet Earth either. Where, like, you know, kids just get pissed off at something and then just go murder somebody. Out of nowhere. You know, shit like that happens in Watchmen. Uh, it kind of reminds me of shit like that. Yeah. It's, it's nonsensical in real life. But in a comic book setting, maybe it works a little better. But this movie goes so fucking hard for the realism. Right. That it, that, that kind of makes yeah. it miss the mark, I mm-hmm. think. So introducing a very comic booky concept into it makes it miss the mark a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And that is a central point of, like, the climax of the movie. So that kind of hampered it a little bit for me. Um, this isn't the movie's fault, but I'd like to talk about the media response to this movie I think it's this is almost like almost goes hand in hand with critiquing the movie itself is talking about the media's response to the film in a lot of ways it's just as interesting yeah man it's crazy dude I went and saw Joker and I'm a fucking incel oops 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 all incel (laughs) I'm like really pissed off about this yeah well you know me too uh I don't know how people got this idea in their heads I really don't it's damaging to mentally ill people. And I think this the movie on its own already totes a fine line portraying mentally ill people because the only two in the movie are giant pieces of shit. So it's like really... Yeah, but it's like arguing that the reason they're giant pieces of shit is because the system because, failed them. Yeah, yeah sure. So it, it, like I said, it totes that line. Yeah. But it doesn't like tip one way or the other where the media response to it kind of like portrayed it as it being tipped that line. And then you go see it, and then you realize that all the people saying that this was some kind of incel movie don't know the difference between, like, psychotic delusions or fantasies and being an incel. (laughs) There have been, like, a billion fucking think pieces and essays about this movie that are bullshit. Yeah. Uh, For real. I saw, like, some people say that, like, this is a movie for people that don't blame themselves for their problems and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, did you watch them? Oh, yes. I'd love to get over being mentally ill by pulling up my bootstraps. (laughs) Yeah, I hate that mentality. Oh, my God. Go fuck yourself. Jesus. 
there's, just there's try a, really hard not to be psychotic. Just try really hard, dude. I think it's really funny that you have people online both saying that this is some kind of like Libby Cuck movie, and then there's people saying that this is like a, a fucking Trump supporting incel movie. Yeah, it's like, really neither. It's not. It, it is neither. I mean, there's a bit of there's a bit of eat the rich in there, I guess. I guess, but uh, it's done so. In it's such not portrayed a weird... positively. I don't think. No, because the the result of Eat the Rich is Batman happens. <laughs> so like, which we, uh, which I, is that a positive? I guess I don't I, think I don't Batman. I, I'm on the side that I don't think Batman existing is a positive thing, but it's a necessary thing for Gotham. Yeah, I'm sure. one of those. I'm one of those types. Where, like, Batman isn't healthy for Bruce Wayne, and it probably isn't healthy for the city of Gotham either, but it needs him because of how fucked up everything is. Man, that's that thing at the end of Dark Knight. Yeah. He's, uh, he's the hero we deserve because we're shit, but not the one it needs right now. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know, when, when a city is pushed that far in the comics, yeah. you, need, you need, like, a Batman. Uh, I feel like Batman and Superman should just switch cities. That'd be lit. That'd be interesting. <laughs> if if I ever got a chance to write a comic, I might I might do that. That would be a cool idea. For it's me. fun. Maybe I should just do it as a fanfic. I'll be that loser. <laughs> uh, no, but like I think about it more and more, and I'm like, why the fuck would Batman stay in Gotham? Like, for his mental health. Like, Superman could fix Gotham because yeah. he's the paragon of justice. He would literally take out the crime. Yeah. And throw it in the ocean because right. he could. Uh, like, I always think back to this, like, Superman animated series episode where Batman goes missing and Superman searches for Batman with Robin while dressed as Batman so that the criminals still think Batman is around. And he fights Bane, who is usually a huge problem for Batman, and he beats him in one punch. Uh, and I always think about that, too, because, like, Superman's villains scale up to Superman, whereas Batman's villains scale down to Batman. And, like, you could argue that Batman could beat the shit out of Superman, too. But I think that's more like a fan thing. It's yeah. more like the want to have it happen. Uh, but <laughs> but in reality, they probably wouldn't because Superman has laser eyeballs. Oops. Right. Uh, but it's always been funny to me that, like, yeah, any fucking Batman villain Superman could, like, beat by flicking them. So, like, maybe they should just switch cities. Fuck it. <laughs> Batman could just, like keep metropolis on the on the level which shouldn't be hard because it's like this great crimeless city right <laughs> that the super powered guy is in <laughs> why the fuck think about it for like one second right right <laughs> yeah i i i was really upset meeting your response like just to walk through it like the, the scene where he's in her apartment and that's what a lot of people are pointing to. Yeah, and I don't get the it. The relationship in the movie is imagined, I guess. Yeah, but like, so what? Yeah, I, I was fully expecting. I was sitting there in that fucking theater, and I was fully expecting, like, oh shit, he's going to turn around and fucking kill her. And then that's why people think it's an incel, right? Thing. Yeah. And then it didn't happen, and I was pissed. You were pissed that he didn't kill her. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, like not uh, not in that way. That, I was like, just uh, that the media portrayed it in such a way where it where none of that even fucking happens. Not a lick of it. If you're gonna go so far as to say that characters are in cells when they have a fantasy about a girl, 
Everybody's an incel. I guess. Uh, I guess all those '80s movies were like they like look at a girl and like, ooh, what if she took off her top right now in the swimsuit or incels? Well, maybe they are, but that's besides the point. Uh, I I think it it more points to the fact that he's delusional and he's trying to be happy mentally. Right, but he can't. But he can't be. And and that scene more goes to suggest that he's so far gone that he's having delusions to me. Right. Absolutely. At no point in this movie does he perform violence towards women. His actions lead to violence that happens to a woman. Well, he does kill his mom. But that's kind of a different thing than her being female. That has nothing to do with her being female. No, it has, it has everything to do with her like abusing him. Yeah. And him killing his abuser. But more to my point, I guess like the, the fact that everyone focused this in on the fact that it's about incels is completely asinine to me. It's it's false. Like, completely, uh, like, just by dictionary definition, false. And it kind of leads into something where, like, th- the word incel has started to lose its meaning, and I'm upset about that because... It's the left version of cuck. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like, <laughs> that needs to not happen. I I think we need to be able to identify incels because they're very destructive people. It's still a problem, for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't want to undermine the fact that that line of thinking is stupid as fuck. It's it, but it, it, but words tend to lose all meaning when you overuse them to the point of stupidity. Uh, you know, kind of like millennial and boomer at this point. Yeah. Uh, Kind of like liberal and cuck at this point. I mean, sorry. <laughs> cuck and incel at this point. Uh, well, kind of like liberal and conservative at this point in a way. As people sling around these words like they're nothing. Yeah, that's definitely not on the same level. This, like black and white, good and bad view of things. Yeah. So then we call people names. Uh, and that sucks. I don't know. If you didn't like Joker, just say you didn't like it instead of calling it an incel movie. Yeah. Which is what uh, comics writer Dan Slott did over the weekend, and a bunch of people gave him shit for it. He was just like, I just said I didn't like it. It's. I think it's fine if you don't like it. I yeah. think it's really good, but... So I question... I think like, you could also acknowledge that the movie... Like it, but, like, at the very least, you're not obliged to like it. You don't have to fucking like it. It's a movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone's gonna have different opinions. Right. I mean, Whatever. Don't harass a man just because he didn't like a fucking movie that you like. Mm-hmm. Everybody's and then again, the good and bad side argument of that. Dan Slott works for Marvel. This is a DC movie, so there's people going like, "Oh, you just fucking hated it because it's DC and it's more fucking mature." It's like literally and, not the way the world and works. More important than those fucking stupid Marvel movies for kids. So we're back to Marvel versus DC now. What is this? The fucking nineties? Jesus Christ! Give me a break. DC tried to do a Marvel vs. DC thing, and they failed, so now they're doing this shit. Yeah, they tried to just basically be Marvel. And they failed miserably. being dark and edgy and making Zack Snyder make, like, 19 movies, and that was a terrible idea. I really appreciate this modern DC, which is like, hey, do you want to make a movie? What's your idea? Oh, that doesn't really line up with any continuity, but fuck it, make the movie. That's cool to me. Make whatever the fuck you want. Who cares? This movie would have been absolutely ruined if they had to adhere to continuity. 
make Jared Leto the Joker, give a tie-in to Suicide Squad, give a cameo to Margot Robbie, <laughs> give a cameo to Ben Affleck. That would have been shitty. Horrible. That would have been the worst fucking shit ever. Yeah. I'm so glad that it's just this standalone, like, one-shot comic book of a movie. Yeah, that's exactly because absolutely that's what it is. Because some of the best comics ever written. Killing Joke. That are within the Marvel and DC branding. Yeah. Are the ones that don't happen in continuity. Dark Knight Rises. Killing Joke does, but Killing Joke doesn't have to. Yeah. Uh, Killing Joke can be either. I, I never read it in continuity. I just read The Killing Joke. Well, yeah, that's fair. But then in continuity, Barbara Gordon was crippled for years. Right. But now she's not, because whatever, injuries don't happen in comics. Nope. <laughs> Nothing really happens in comics. Well, no. Not really. That's the thing. It's cyclical storytelling. Yeah. Uh, it's like a sitcom. You can kill Spider-Man off, but he has to be eventually alive again so that you can continue making Spider-Man right. forever. You know? Yeah. The characters can't grow that much. All right, so here's here it is. Yeah. Joker. Uh-huh. I don't like it. Yeah. 8.5 out of 10. <laughs> Joker, I did like it. 8.5 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. I, I lean a little more than that. Yeah, you, I, I, probably more towards a 9 range it. for you. Yeah, Joaquin uh, Phoenix gets an Oscar. Dude, he fucking should. I think that's the major takeaway yeah. you should have from this uh-huh. movie is that, like, if you think some of the stupid shit is stupid shit, it probably is, and that's probably the Todd Phillips influence because Todd Phillips is an idiot. Make no mistake. Like he, made, he made the hangover. <laughs> made, he did not just make the hangover. He made three hangovers. Right. So like, hmm. and he probably wanted to make a fourth one, but then he was like, I can't be funny anymore. So then he made Joker. <laughs> <laughs> Polar opposite. Uh, uh, but yeah, I recommend seeing it. I yeah, really I think do. so too. I think if you have at least a good head on your shoulders and you're not going like, yay, a comic book movie, you can at least get something out of it. Uh, I think there's more fucked up movies easily out there. Yeah, this is like uh, Die even, a Taxi Driver, dude. <laughs> yeah, this is Baby's First Taxi <laughs> yeah, Driver. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, it's different uh, than Taxi Driver. I think but... Taxi Driver's more of an upsetting movie to me. Absolutely. Uh, but that might be because Scorsese is a better fucking director than Todd Phillips. Who would have guessed? Uh, and I guess Texas Chainsaw, if we're going to compare these, which are, they're not very comparable. The only thing it gets comparable is that they're unsettling movies. Yeah, that's a good unsettling movie to me. I, I feel like I can rewatch these because once I... Seeing a movie for the first time and seeing a movie after I know everything that happens in it are two different experiences for me. Yeah. Like, I can be more upset at Joker the first time I watch it and less upset the second time I watch it. That's what Josh because said. because I'm aware of the plot and how it goes. Uh, same with Texas Chainsaw. It's like, I mean, I don't know. Although I was aware of how that movie <laughs> ended before I even watched it. Right, so was I. It's the movie that started slasher films which all have the same ending (laughs) yep one girl get away bad guy probably still alive so that you can make sequel repeat process until movie doesn't make money and you lose the rights and then another company does it repeat process forever (laughs) what's happening with Texas that's what's happening with Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the point we're at 
bro, it's gonna keep happening in Texas Chainsaw Massacre for fucking eternity. Yep. It's, it's basically what I feel. Let's talk about a good franchise. Yes. So we also saw El Camino. Fucking yeah, Breaking bitch. Bad movie. I'm gonna let me mark down when we start talking about this. Uh, 106. Did you do the same for the Joker? Yes, I did. So okay, I, I cool. put when we start talking about the Joker, and then when we start talking about El Camino. That way, I can. Uh, I'm gonna label in the description when the spoilers start and end. Okay, I'll tweet it out as well. Yeah. All right. Cut this part out because it's boring. Okay. El Camino. Yes, El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, which is not something I expected to ever happen. And then a few months ago, Netflix is like, "Hey, guess what we got?" I see. I see you, Disney Plus. I see you over there. Here's more Breaking Bad. Everybody's like, "What?" <laughs> and then Disney Plus is like, "We got that movie with, uh, you know, a movie called Oh Fuck, My Head Stuck to This Pancake." <laughs> And yeah, not homeward bound. Yeah, that movie with Don Knotts where he turns into a fish, dude. <laughs> remember, remember homeward bound. He, remember, did you like that as a kid? Here's the movie. Here's the movie that it remade. There was a remake of it, and uh, from back oh, in the, like, like the sixties. Journey or some shit. Yeah, like that. It, yeah. but the, but the animals don't talk, and it's not entertaining. But we won't I give don't you. Know if that's true. I've never watched it. It's not good. Well, well, okay. Film critic Justin. I saw it. I've seen it. Oh, all right. I've never seen it. I watched it. I watched it right. with my grandmother many years ago. I can't wait. I, I that. Uh, can we briefly talk about how Disney Plus was advertising their service? It was really funny. That was bizarre. I don't know if it was necessarily their best move, but it did get a lot of people talking about it. So maybe it definitely it got a lot of people talking. But about they it. but they did this thread where they had everything that's coming to it day one, and they gave each entry equal importance. So like. Snow White got a tweet, Star Wars got a tweet, but then, like, Dan in real life got a tweet, and, <laughs> and then just, like, random Disney Channel original movies that are just, like, I don't, I don't know. What was that one that you sent me an image of? It's not the title of it. The, the Mom, I Fucked Santa Claus, or whatever. Uh, what was that one? Oh, shit. Um, What's the actual title of that movie? <laughs> I forget, dude. It's Mom, I Fucked Santa Claus, right? Uh, there's just a bunch of those that just look like, you know, why would you talk about these <laughs> I fucked your mom terms? as Santa. Why would you, <laughs> why would you talk about these in equal terms? That's not as good as Empire Strikes Back. Not as many people are going to watch that as Empire Strikes Back. What the fuck are you... Are you kidding me? <laughs> there's a whole... Twitter account dedicated to photoshopping these. It's great. <laughs> I guess that's blessed in one respect. But anyway, El Camino is an epilogue to Breaking Bad where we uh, we pick up right where Breaking Bad left off with the Jesse Pinkman doing the scream in the El Camino as he drives away from a uh, neo-Nazi meth lab that Heisenberg uh, shot up a bunch with robot gun. Right. Yay. He picks right up after that. It's an epilogue. It's a coda. Uh, it, it, I, I don't get the vibe that like definitely doesn't stand alone. Like you need no, you have to. Breaking Bad. You have to watch Breaking Bad. It is an epilogue to Breaking Bad. You have to. It, it, it's the end of the. It's the last chapter of the book that doesn't necessarily need to be there, no, it's, but it's a nice rounding. Epilogue is the best word because we got the final chapter. Right. That's where the book could end. Epilogues are called epilogues for a reason. This is an epilogue. Right. Because it's it's Breaking Bad is the story of Walter White. 
Yeah. This is a, the ending of the story of Jesse Pinkman, who's a side character. Yes. In Breaking Bad. So, I mean, he's like almost the second main character. Yeah, pretty much. Next to Walt. But like Walt's story like had to be the ending. And I get that. Yeah. But there's that open-endedness of where Jesse goes. And in one respect, I like that. But in the other respect, I liked this ending much, much, much better. Actually, yes. because it gave a lot more closure to me as someone who was very distressed <laughs> by Jesse's mental condition at the end of Breaking Bad. Yeah, because uh, he got fucked. And and by the end of Breaking Bad, I felt that Jesse like deserved better than this. And I I guess Vince Gilligan felt the same way and uh, went into it. Yeah, you have a character who starts off kind of like a delinquent. You're not sure if you like him or not yet. And break, throughout the entirety of Breaking Bad, you, most of the audience grows to love Jesse Pinkman. You, you can't help but want to see him do better. Right, because himself. you can tell he's a good person Yeah, who is, like, caught in this shit. Yes. And it just kind of became part of his identity, even though, like, he doesn't need it. And this movie is pretty much his quest to get away from it. To finally get out. Yeah, yeah. The whole movie is honestly kind of like a metaphor for Jesse making a choice for himself for once. Yes. Uh, Instead of making choices for, like, because of Walter White the whole time. Yeah, Breaking Bad. Living his own life as opposed to anyone else's that tells him something to do. And that's, you know, metaphorically how the ending of that movie works, where he kills a bunch of people who did him wrong. Yeah. Because fuck them. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. it goes about his day with his fucking money. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, I love how the end of that movie is a Western duel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that movie is crazy. That threw me for a loop. Now, Breaking Bad as a whole has a lot of elements of Western in it. You yes. could argue that it's a Western. It takes place in the desert and is about outlaws and doing crimes. <laughs> so I guess in a lot of ways... It is a Western, but never as ex- explicitly, literally a Western as in that moment where people have a fucking duel <laughs> with guns. A quick draw duel. That was lit. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the cameos. Those were amazing. Yeah. And well paced, too. It wasn't overbearing with just like, remember this character, remember this character. Didn't feel like it was trying to do that. Yeah, there's also a big, like, a chunk of the movie that's just, like, flashbacking to... Cause you didn't see much of what happened while Jesse was imprisoned. Just enough, I think. Yeah. And then you got a little bit more of it, just to show, like... Just to really give you a big idea of how his mental status was degrading. Motherfucking Todd, man, I swear. Mm, big piece of shit. Jesse Plemons was great in this as well. Uh-huh. Aaron Paul should is, does his best work here, too. I think so, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people were memeing on how Jesse Plemons looks, like, fat and old now. Nothing you could do. No, it's, you know, whatever. I literally don't care. Right. <laughs> Nothing you can do. You just gotta roll with it. I prefer having Todd in it than not having Todd in it. Yeah, because it's important to the to the epilogue of Jesse's story. It actually is, because it ties into what he needs to do, what his goal is, which is to steal Todd's money. Uh, yeah. Which is great. <laughs> Good. Steal his fucking money. Fuck Todd. Yep, the whole um, plot of the movie is really is Jesse going out to steal Todd's money and pay the 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 guy from in the series who was who got uh who got Saul Goodman out who he was supposed to get himself out and then he refused. Yes. 
to get himself out again. To, you know, go start a new life under a new name somewhere else. I don't remember the actor's name that played the guy in the, the, the vacuum shop. I'm looking it up right now because I want to mention But he, he passed away uh, weeks. Robert Forster. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. Just he's, like he's demure days before the movie premiered. Yeah. Yeah. No, like a day after the movie premiered. That's what it was. Yeah. Day or like after. the day of the premiere. I don't I watched this at fucking 3 a.m. because I couldn't wait. Yeah. I don't regret my decision. It was like 5.30 in the morning and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Jesse's going to Alaska. Everything's good. <laughs> and I went to bed. Uh... It's just so good. They know entirely what they're doing, and it makes me so excited to get more uh, Better Call Saul, which yeah, is... Vince Gilligan is really hit a stride. Yeah, for sure. With with how he puts his shit together. And then whatever, in the, the Breaking Bad writer's room, I don't know if it was like mostly the same people for this. I don't know. This is entirely Vince Gilligan, this epilogue. Oh, okay, written cool. Written and directed. Um, he, did fact, a, he did a fucking incredible job. I, I, apparently, he put off uh, making it until he had a script that he was happy with because he wanted to do it. See if he could just do it without the assistance, I think. Without the, without um, the entire writer's room? Yeah, I suppose so. Which, I mean, it was his thing anyway. Uh, yeah, not but, to take that credit away from him. No, his, but there is a lot, lot of writers, writers helping him. There were a lot Breaking of writers Bad. helping him on yeah. Breaking Bad. Well, for sure. You know, That's I doubt how it was his idea to, you know have an entire episode about a fly. God, what a good episode. I don't Jesus. know whose idea that was, but it's a good episode, though. Uh, <laughs> I, I honestly think uh, my favorite part of the whole thing is uh, when, when he uh, finds the money and then has to evade who he thinks are cops, but then they are not. And yeah. just that reveal and that tension is so fucking expertly well done. Oh, absolutely. Uh, just the slow trickle of information and how Breaking Bad delivers it has always been its strong suit. Uh, and there's a lot of cool little subtle things in this movie, too, like a shot of Los Poyos, but it's not Los Poyos anymore. Yeah. They don't have to put that in there, but that's cool as fuck. Right. <laughs> it's just like time has passed, man. Uh, there's a shot of the strip mall or whatever the fuck that like the little plaza yeah where Saul's office is that ain't there anymore that's cool uh, in the uh, trailer that was kind of a scene that's not in the movie which is a uh, skinny Pete getting interviewed by the DEA about Jesse yeah uh, that's not in the movie but that was the trailer uh, before it zooms in to the interrogation room on the wall there's pictures of two men and it's fucking Hank and Gomez uh, all kinds Damn. of little things I love those little things Breaking Bad's a good series to rewatch and like look for little stupid shit it's littered yeah for sure it's expertly crafted and I don't think this movie's really any different yeah, it just—it's just—it really just feels like an epilogue chapter to Breaking Bad. It fits really it has, well. It has the, the same tone. It has everything. It has—it has those like ridiculous, dark comedic moments in it. Yeah, that are just like that just make you chuckle. When Jesse calls the guy on his bullshit for calling nine one one, but it's—it's not—it's not, it's not yeah. bullshit. <laughs> that was funny as fuck. <laughs> the cops pull up. He just looks at him. It's like yeah. ah, you got got. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I'm so happy they gave him a happy ending, to be yeah. honest. I feel like that was one of the things that was lacking for Breaking Bad. Is that at least the one only, character should have had... Out of all of the pieces of shit ending. that are yeah. in this show, the one character that deserves a happy ending is Jesse Pinkman. And yeah, I think so. Because he spends the entire series struggling to get that humanity. Mm-hmm. And like and then live bringing, a good life, being dragged back down into the unhumane right shit by every time by Walter White right. Yeah. And then the, now that Walter White's dead, he can just he can become his own person and not Walter White's assistant, right? You and know, just live mean? his fucking life. Yeah, and he finally gets it. Wonderful movie. If you're a fan of Breaking Bad, watch it. You have to. <laughs> I think it's my favorite of the three movies we're going to discuss here for sure. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I mean, that's that's a lot to say because I really do like Joker, and I feel like it's really a neat movie and one of my favorites of this year. But man, I like Breaking Bad too much. El Camino is my favorite film this year, so far. I think yeah. Yeah, it's really well done. I love it. Okay, do you want to talk about a bad thing now? Yeah, I guess so. Drink my alcohol. Oh boy, we're at the main event, the worst thing ever. All right, let's talk about it for ten minutes. I think we'll talk about it for more than 10 minutes. Yeah, a little bit. Not not much, I don't think. <laughs> How much does there really to say about this movie? I got stuff to say. Well, I mean, I'm sure you have your, like, um, this is, what you have, what you probably researched online is the most interesting part about this movie. It is, actually. Because what this thing is, in its totality, is uh, a... It's, the, it's, the, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's, it's a remake of the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, except everything is done worse. Everything is done worse. Every little aspect is worse. Where there's tension in the original, it doesn't there's exist. There's boredom, right? Where there's, you know, there, we we commented before that the characters in the original don't really stand out as having great personality traits. But I was never at any point like against the characters. Do you know what I mean? They don't uh, exist long enough in the movie. Yeah, um, they do in this one. I genuinely feel like the characters are way more likable in the original, even as they do stupid things. Yeah. Um, I mean, Franklin's not likable, but I don't think he's supposed to be. No. I guess his replacement is, like, the stoner kid. Yeah, I guess so. But, like, I, I, he, he, you know, at least with Franklin, you could feel bad for him a little bit. Yeah. This guy just sucks. <laughs> They all suck. Everybody sucked. And oddly enough, the stoner guy was probably the smartest one. Because he was like, we should just get the fuck out of here. A lot of the movie. Right. Like, I was like, I agree, bruh. So before we get into the plot or what there is of it, because there's not a lot of plot, I feel like that won't take long to actually discuss. I will get into how we got here. I always like to do that now. Now that I care about our podcast. I'm just kidding. I still don't care about our podcast. I'm kidding. I like it. There you go. <laughs> I was waiting for it. No, I love doing this. I love watching terrible movies. This is going to sound sarcastic, actually. <laughs> as I started to you say had the it, tone. as I started to actually be sincere, it, it came out and it sounded like sarcasm. Yeah, you put the sarcastic tone on it, buddy. <laughs> no, I want to be sincere. I do like watching terrible movies, but, yeah. but there's a brand of terrible movie that I like to watch. And this and is it's an the end. ones that are so bad that they're good like what we watched fucking last week yeah that's a masterpiece as far as that's concerned matthew mcconaughey raising a shotgun over his head and going boo is is art (laughs) (laughs) but this is fart 
It's yeah. nothing. <laughs> Get it, it out of here. It, it is. It is literally. It, it's a big old nothing burger of a movie. Yeah. You have so you have the entire identical premise of chain, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You got the kids in the van, mm-hmm. and they're driving down the road on a road trip. And there's all oh, there's a there's a girl this time, not boy, not a guy, it's a girl, girl this time, walking. Oh, the hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. And then they did not really a hitchhiker though. I guess it's a girl that's running. They go and they try to pick her up. And then she spews some bullshit about not going to, to, to they start going towards the, the the meat place and she like no and then she like shoots herself. Yeah. And that's how you start the movie. And it does this really horrendous shot. Oh, they thought they were being clever, dude. Where it went it was started in front of her and the camera pulls back through the bullet hole in her head, through the fucking broken glass at the back of the van and comes out. Through the van, out into the field, and then it just cuts back to everybody else screaming. Yeah. By the way, our characters, in the original they were heading to go investigate uh, Sally's dad's murder something or other. His grave getting dug which up. Is, which is linked to the events of the film. Right. This, they're just on the way to go see Skinnerd, and they're listening to Sweet Home Alabama. I, as soon as it started movie. playing, I rolled my fucking eyes, and then I stared. You you were just watching the movie, so you weren't paying attention. You watched this film. You were watching this entire series with our friend Mark Toth, God bless him. Yeah. And I, I just, as soon as it started playing, I rolled my eyes, and I looked at you with a blank expression on my face and stared at you, waiting for you to look back and see how distraught I was. I did at several points in the movie. Maybe yeah. not that one particularly, but <laughs> I did see you staring at me. Like, I'm somehow responsible for our current state of events. <laughs> which, I mean, like, I guess I am. Because I chose to put Texas Chainsaw on And the you spun wheel, it. And I spun the wheel. Yeah. But I do want to point out you could spin something shitty too, and it will happen one day. You know what? I spin Resident Evil and I quit the podcast. That's probably gonna fucking happen. Except uh-huh. you don't quit the podcast. Now I'll just fucking stare at you the whole. No time fucking guarantees, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna spin the Scorpion King, and it's not even on the wheel. That's what's gonna happen. I fucking can't I don't wait. Know how you're Let's go. Do it, Let's go. I'm gonna watch uh, those made the for TV. Our stupid wheel will break, and the little tab will fly off, and then there will be a copy of the Scorpion King on the floor. <laughs> Well, I get the wheel is spoken, Justin. We gotta watch the Scorpion King. I'd rather watch the Scorpion King than probably the rest of these fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies are about to watch. I don't have a lot of confidence in them getting better. Well, spoilers, the worst one so far, right? I think so. (laughs) Without a doubt. I think so. I don't know if, like, critically, necessarily, we are agreed with. This is certainly not a well-reviewed movie. No way. And I'll talk about that later. Uh, To great length, I want to do something special. I think it's like sitting at like a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It's bad, but I think three is lower. I, I think disagree. four is lower. I disagree. But, you know, as boring as we bullshitted about three, this one is way worse. It's way more boring because uh, you have a rehash that takes some liberties and all of them are bad liberties and boring liberties. Well, the other ones so, felt fairly rehashy as well, but then they brought in things that were unique to those films. And right. this one... <sighs> There's not enough uniqueness. Well, like, like two, two just blew the whole. It was an actual sequel that just blew everything off the wall. That's why it's the second best one so far. Right, three is effectively the same thing, but it has like somebody who can fight back in it, and that's fascinating. Yeah, and then some some weirdos that are different than the weirdos. Right, that we were. Four to. is just 
a wild mess. That definitely has weirdos that we're not accustomed to in it. Right. Uh, and this one has like not even the 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 fucking family in it is the, not the even a quarter. Fucking boring. They're not even a quarter as interesting as yeah. like the ones in three. Even like no, those ones had personalities as yeah. stupid as they were. Like Tex is Vigo Mortensen, and he's like a pretty boy, and he dresses like a cowboy. But then like he he has a daughter, and then he he wants to be called Tex, and then like the guy. With the weird earring that, that tinkered on stuff, and like the the mom, the little girl, they all had distinct little personalities. Even Leatherface in that movie. Yeah, it's. What do you got in this movie? Like the old guy with no legs, who's like a pervert, kind of barely. I don't know. Leatherface is okay. Yeah, and I then guess. like, and then like the the sheriff guy, who's the most interesting out of all of them, I guess. Yeah, because he's actually he's like a fucking big dickhead, and it's funny sometimes, and then. And then, like, on the mom character who, like, runs the diner, gas station, last gas station place that's there. But they're all boring for the most part, I guess, besides the sheriff guy who's well, not entirely boring. Well, let's just rush through the boring. plot so I can get to more interesting Yeah, so it's things. the same shit, right? Yeah, yeah, so it's the same shit. Here's, here's your key differences, right? So you have the thing where the girl shoots herself, right? So yeah. they go to the gas station, which is structurally similar to the same gas station first one. Now they're just trying to get a hold of the police to report this suicide that happened yeah. in their van. Uh, the lady says she's going to call the sheriff. She doesn't call the sheriff. Well, maybe the, she does. Only the right. sheriff, in quotation, in quotation marks. marks. Right, Do you think he's actually. a real sheriff? No. See, I don't know, actually. <laughs> I had I had remnants of Darla from 4. We're like, yeah, she's maybe really works there. I don't know. Is she a real estate agent lady? I think he's a crazy person who got a hold of a sheriff's vehicle. And a sheriff's, like... Yeah, like he killed a sheriff. Like, they killed uh, a sheriff. Well, that's possible, And they possible, got a hold of I his suppose. shit. It's open-ended because they don't explain a goddamn thing. No, not movie. a goddamn thing. Um, so, so, you know, so then you have, like, they go to... They're told to go to this, the old Crawford Mill. Yeah. And they're like, oh, boy, okay, why the fuck? But whatever, we'll go there. And they go there. There's a weird-looking little boy there. Who tells them that that the sheriff is drinking and sleeping in his house, not coming to the old mill, and like, well, why the fuck were we led here? Where's the sheriff? The boy directs them to a house. That is not the house where the sheriff's in at the moment. Yeah. But oh man, Leatherface is there, and they get up to it. There's an old man. Uh, I guess was supposed to be kind of like the cook in the first one. I don't know. It doesn't make any really sense. No, doesn't There's really no play real the same key role. Leader here. No. I feel like that's a mistake. But it's, a, it's a paraplegic, no legs. Um. He he only lets the girl in, who's played by Jessica Biel, and she can go fuck herself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'll talk about that now. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Jessica Biel. Uh, you know, I write notes for this podcast, but sometimes I, I, I try to write them professionally, and I don't know why, because why? I'm only reading you, them. It's only for you. But I decided to just not care about professionality. When I was writing this one, because I, I wrote the following paragraph. Jessica Beale was cast as new lead character Aaron. Beale has appeared in several films of often poor quality, including this one. I wrote that in all caps. And of course, Blade Trinity. And then I put in parentheses, lol. <laughs> <laughs> she is married to Justin Timberlake and is an anti-vax idiot. And I wrote idiot in all caps. Yeah, fuck That's her. what I wrote about Jessica Beale for this movie. <laughs> yeah, she's a dumbass and she can go fuck herself. And it's a shame. Maybe she could have been good. If she wasn't dumb. Right. Nah. I don't care if she was a good actress, I'd hate her. She was cast because she's hot. Yep. 
What? Wow. How original for a horror movie. And they're like, and then they, and then they did the outfitting for the for the movie, and they're like, wear a white tank top, mm-hmm. no Low bra, cut. low cut, no bra. Yeah. So when so, so when then it, when we throw you in the flooded basement later, you will have the titty nipples. Right. <laughs> uh, fuck this movie. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. A lot of garbage. Jedediah, Sheriff Co-op, I don't know, what do you want to say here? Yeah, well, yeah, anyway, so, uh... It all blends Jessica Biel and her boyfriend at, at this house, Jessica Biel's in there, she, uh... She talks to the old man for a bit, he doesn't know shit, of course, about her friend or whatever. Uh, is he, like, about what's going on with Sheriff. he's like, oh, can you help me? He up? intentionally gets out of his wheelchair onto the floor and asks for help so he could stall time for Leatherface to... And also grab her ass. Yeah, while he's getting up, because yeah. he's a fucking pervert. yeah. So Leatherface has time to start grabbing and killing these people. Um, in the meantime, uh, her boyfriend gets a little anxious, so he walks in the house, and then um, then a the, the, the weird recreation of the first kill from Texas Chainsaw Massacre happens, where Leatherface comes up behind him, hits him in the head with a hammer, and drags him into the, into the door and shuts the big steel door. Not nearly as effective as the original. Not at all. In fact, it's probably because boring, like, comparatively so. Yeah, probably because yeah. you couldn't see. Yeah, I guess that's a good point to mention is that this whole movie has like a poop filter over it. It is a very dark and we like kinda, sort of brown filter. We kind of mentioned this earlier when we were talking about dark and edgy films of the 2000s. It's like Alien vs. Predator or Wacrium, except less, brown, less black, more brown. Like the color aesthetic of AVP Requiem is black. And it's because it's pitch black. Just be... Hmm. Just be. I got. I got a fun tidbit for you. Oh boy, here we go. <sighs> okay. The cinematographer of this movie. Oh, good. Is the same guy? Is the cinematographer of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre? That makes no sense. No, it doesn't. But he works with the director frequently. Uh, his name is Daniel Pearl. Daniel Pearl also. Was the cinematographer AVP Requiem on Alien vs Predator Requiem? Yeah, goddamn it, dude! I knew, fucking goddamn it! <laughs> I was looking at this movie and it gave me vibes. It gave me AVP Requiem vibes. Okay, you can see better. In no, this no, one. because I said it's less black aesthetic and more brown, so yes. it's still completely desaturated and void of any color or character, but you can see. I don't know if I can go out on a limb and say this guy's a bad cinematographer because he did. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Was it an accident? I don't know. Or just like he was good one time. I don't know. I mean, the rest of his filmography was spotty. Uh, He works with this director a lot. And uh, I'll just talk about that later when I'm getting into factoids and how this movie came to be and uh, blah, blah, blah. So we're at house. Leatherface kills guy. Does the, the cop shows up around this point to where all our other characters are at, and he, uh, uh, right off the bat, you can tell something's not right with this dude. Uh, he's played by Arlie Ermy, or however you say this man's name. Is it Ermy? I'm thinking it's Ermy. Yeah. Think, uh. Yeah, Ermy. So he's the fucking drill sergeant guy from Full Metal Jacket, of course. And he was in a billion other things playing a drill sergeant, usually. Yeah. Uh, here he plays a sheriff, and he plays it like he is playing a drill sergeant, because, like, he is. Uh, 
I, I guess he's the best part of this movie? That's not really a ringing endorsement. I'm just saying, like, do you feel the same way? Is he the best part of this movie? Yeah, I'd say so. I, I mean, it's he's not... He's not even like, great. No, it's really not. If we were listing out, like, the psychopaths... He literally just does, like, the, the scary drill sergeant screamy thing. And, and and that's all he does. That's his entire character, so... That's his entire acting career. And right. you know what? That's fine. I don't think typecasting is a bad thing if someone is good at it, you know? Yeah, but, like... But for this movie... I don't know... I don't know if it's eccentric enough to be fun. Yeah. Making this man play a full-blown psychopath is kind of a strange choice to me. I mean, clearly he wasn't a nice guy in Full Metal Jacket. But uh, this is weird, where he's, like, taunting people and, like, kicking them and shit. I don't know. Forcing the kid to uh, recreate the suicide. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably the best scene in the movie, actually. It was. Because it, it had, uh, you know, something resembling tension, but not quite. <laughs> right. That's my five-star review of this movie. Something resembling tension, but not quite. There you go. Put it on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. I mean, it's just, it's just blah, blah, blah. People start dying. Because Leatherface murdered them, running away, ah, try to drive van, can't drive van, cops show up, oh no, he a dickhead, do the force suicide thing, tricks Stoner into trying to shoot him, shoots but there's no ammo, and gone, oh well you were murderer boy, I'm gonna arrest you, and then he just takes him back to the house to do the eating, yep. <laughs> the eating. Uh, Which they never actually show in this movie, by the buff way. Buff Shaggy got killed. Yeah. Or hung on hook. Uh, we're already down to our final girl, basically. Yeah, She's well, in the house. Jessica Biel is forced to stab Buff Shaggy. Can we talk about that scene real quick? Why did he die? If he didn't <sighs> die from... Getting his leg cut off. He got off. his leg cut off. He got hung on a meat hook. He's still alive. And then she just stabs him in the stomach because he's like, please just kill me, put me on By the way, if, the, if Leatherface didn't cauterize the leg amputation, yeah. he was already dead because he lost too much blood. Yeah, but they like wanted to keep him alive for some reason. They didn't. They didn't cauterize his leg. But I don't know. I this see. is after they capture her. And it's just like a bunch of bullshit. In the basement. I, I understand like kind of poke that kind of realism, but horror movies is stupid. But like, I don't know, felt stupid to me. This is after they capture her and throw her in the basement. Before that, I think she ran into a trailer looking for some help and met some other people from the brood. Uh, weirdly fat lady, who I feel like they just probably stereotypically cast because she was really fat. Yeah. And Thanks, then, makers of the movie. Great, and then another girl who had, like, a baby that's not hers. Yeah, and then they're, like, obviously part of the cult, but then Jessica Biel doesn't know because she's a dummy. And then, uh-oh, and then they capture her. But then she escaped because the little boy helps them. Yes. But he's part of the family, but he, like, breaks the rules. And they, like, yell at him for it, I yeah, guess. Yeah, they don't, they, they don't, they don't obviously really don't explain like any of that. And yeah. it's, it's not really a developed part of the movie. It almost felt like it was added in reshoots, this character, this little boy. I'm not sure if there were reshoots. I don't think there were. But it felt like something like that. Right. Uh, this movie is cut really strangely and edited very strangely. To the point where certain things uh, don't have continuity or coherence. 
Yep. Like there's like you can like see like Leatherface in one position and then in the next he's not in the, in the same position and it just doesn't work. There's a lot of bad stuff in this movie. But we get the final girl. Her and Stoner escape to a abandoned Taos question mark. And then Leatherface kills the Stoner guy after he saves Jessica Beale. But then he dead. Leatherface killed well, you him. You could tell what was what was uh probably, probably cut, cut out to of the get movie. an R rating. Right, yeah. because like you could tell that he like basically disembowels the kid with the chainsaw. Yeah. And they probably just like you could tell it's like kinda like blacked out in a way. <sighs> they cut away. <sighs> Edited for R rating. Yeah, Which is, uh, this franchise is no stranger to so far. Oh, so the entire time doing it. Mm-hmm. The entire time. Yeah. Then they, then she goes to Meat Factory. Leatherface comes into Meat Factory. She, uh, after a little bit of, a little bit of cat and mouse, she cuts off Leatherface's arm with a really pussy bitch looking meat cleaver. Yeah, it's weird that she's able to do that. And she, yeah, it's stupid. And then Leatherface gets the big mad. By the way, Leatherface in this movie, um, behind, they show underneath the mask. He doesn't look like a person. He got like a burned off, fucked up face. He looked like Red Skull. Yeah, <laughs> with the no, with the no nose. Yeah. That's um, stupid. Yeah, you know, I always figured that he just looked normal. Yeah. Because, like, he has to wear a face to be scary, you know? It's kind of just like ripping off other horror movies. Like, yeah, Jason looks like a zombie under the mask. Yeah, but, for like, no reason, you know, by the way. I, I feel like that's less interesting to me. If your character wears a mask and that makes them scary, then stick with that. Like, you yeah. know... I like Michael Mike, Myers yeah. should not look like a zombie. I, I like look like a guy. Yeah, as far as like Massville, that's why I always like Mike, Michael Myers a lot because he's just like, at least in the first Halloween, he's just like a regular psychopath. The mask is his face, right? You know, and that that works for me with Leatherface too. So just stick to that. He didn't have to look like this. This makes it so that he wouldn't even have to wear a, yeah, but a he mask does anyway, and shouldn't. So that, like, you know, maybe, like, they were thinking, like, oh, well, he doesn't have a face, so he wears a face. But they, there's no dialogue supporting that. There's no no mention of it. Maybe we'll get that next week in a movie that's probably worse than this somehow. Oh, God. Can't, can't wait for that one. Yeah, so after that, um, she runs to a trucker guy. Then it has, like, a callback type thing to the very beginning of the movie where... Jessica she instantly says the same fucking dialogue that the hitchhiker lady was Because get it? Now she's losing her mind. Yeah, she's like, no, you're going the wrong way. Go back. And I'm like, why don't you just, like, spit it out and, like, not instantly be cliche about this? Like, why would you actually say the same shit that you already heard earlier in the movie? Clearly by this point, you would know that that was someone who escaped from there. Mm-hmm. Like, from what she was saying. Like, I realize you might not be in a good mental state. I get it. Still. But, like... Still. <sighs> Still, you gotta, come on. You gotta realize how you guys reacted earlier in the movie to this person saying these things. And how this guy might react. But she reacted the same way. You know? It was like, what the fuck? But this character is portrayed as uh, really dumb to me. <laughs> uh, she has moments of resourcefulness. And it's like, oh, maybe she has a character, but they don't really discuss her character at all. Just said, oh, she was a delinquent, ha ha. Ha ha. I mean, I guess in terms of, like, our protagonist in these movies, she's one of the more effective ones because she manages to, 
you know actually fight back actually fight back and hit Leatherface and uh cut off his arm and, and then in this scene coming up here she gets to kill uh Arlie Ermy. yep by running him the fuck over with the cop car like five times it's dope and then she kills she steals the baby in the cop car and gets away and then we have a horror stinger ending that's stupid uh, the movie is bookended by, uh, like, real crime footage kind of feeling shit. There's yeah, like a, like a police a walk footage. through the crime scene by the cops in, in, a, in a footage, and fucking the Leatherface attacks the uh, cop doing the walkthrough and kills him. And then it's like, this is the last known image of the one known as Leatherface. He, he was never found 30 years ago. The case remains open still. Blah, 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 blah. Uh... And that's how this shitty movie ends. Yep. Uh, that narrator for the opening and beginning was the narrator from the original. Oh, okay. Uh, that's a guy named John Larroquette. I de- declined to mention that in the original. Sorry about that. Uh, he is famous because he was in Night Court. <laughs> God damn it. Was he the narrator for Night Court? I think so. Is he a character in Night Court 2? I don't know. I didn't look into it enough. Whatever, you guys said a thing. So, uh... Let's talk about Michael Bay. <laughs> Forgot for a second that he was associated with this movie. Michael Bay is the producer of this film, Justin. Uh, more specifically, Michael Bay's production company that he formed in 2001 uh, called Platinum Dunes. Uh, this company would produce lower budget films with a focus on horror. That was Bay's intentions. Uh, he announced in 2001 that their first production would be a remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And they purchased the rights to the original film, which were probably fairly cheap after three movies that did not do well <laughs> at the box office. Right. Uh, in the future, Platinum Dunes would uh, produce the Purge film series uh, and the Ouija <laughs> film series. Oh, what a great track uh, record. But good thing they made is uh, A Quiet Place and its upcoming sequel. I really like A Quiet Place. It's it's okay. Bay wasn't the only producer. A guy named Mike Fleiss, who is the creator of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Huh. reality TV shows Okay, uh, signed on to produce uh, maybe he was looking for a career change <laughs> uh, because he completely transitioned from reality TV to producing horror films uh, does Texas Chainsaw Massacre the beginning later and then the Hostel series all three of those weird career change literally don't know how that happens but whatever Hollywood man I tell you so, uh, other producers, and this may surprise you, Toby Hooper and Kim Hankel, uh, they were supposed to team back up and write the script for this movie. But uh, unfortunately for us, their script was either never used or never finished. But, you know, I was of the opinion, or, or at least like the thought, that like they probably hated this movie because it like sucks. But maybe looking back on it, like, you know, they both made their own attempts at making, at regaining this franchise's life and failed in two different ways. So maybe they were like, okay, 
maybe it's time for someone else to do it, and maybe it'll work out. Right. This Michael Bay guy seems like a real smart dude. Maybe he'll make a good one. Uh, so the script was instead written by a guy named Scott Kozar. Kozar had just finished a script for a film called The Machinist. Okay, yeah. A script which really impressed Bay and prompted him to hire Kozar. Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake ended up coming out before The Machinist did the following year. Uh, that movie has Christian Bale in it and is pretty underrated. Yeah, I like it. I don't it. hear a lot of people think. I, I think like it's that like movie. a cult hit, but yeah. um, Kozar would later write the Amityville Horror remake, which also sucks. Yeah. And eventually some episodes for Base Motel and The Haunting of Hill House, which he also produced. So I feel like he eventually redeems himself a bit. The Haunting of Hill House, have you seen it? No, I really want to. I've heard it's, it's amazing. It's excellent. Yeah. It's excellent. So at least somebody got redemption here. Yeah. I feel like because uh, Michael Bay is still Michael Bay. Uh,. And this director is still this director. Hell yeah. Music video director Marcus Nispel was chosen to direct. This would be his directorial debut of a film. Of a film. Uh, he would later direct remakes of Friday the 13th <laughs> and Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe you've seen the Conan remake. I have. Uh, it's awful. Is it, is it shit? It's awful. Makes sense, I guess. This guy uh, just, you know keeps doing this thing, <laughs> I guess. Uh, Nispel at first didn't want to take the job and even called it, quote, blasphemy. Ooh. I really wish he kept that. Yeah, kept that mentality, uh, buddy. But his longtime DP, Daniel Pearl, cinematographer for the original Texas Chainsaw, was like, hey, man, I think it'd be cool if I bookended my career. With Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. My first cinematography, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. My last filmography, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But Pearl was a liar and then is still being a cinematographer to this day for such hit films as Alien, Alien vs. Requiem. Oh. And also those movies I just said, Friday the 13th remake. Yeah. Conan remake. So uh, not, a, not a great track record for this man. After Texas no, Chainsaw. No, I feel like he was someone who had a brief flash of talent and then was like, you know what? I really like the color brown. Ugh. <laughs> uh, we already talked about Jessica Biel. Fuck that. Uh, other new victims. I mean characters. Yeah. Uh, we got Jonathan Tucker as the nervous stoner Morgan. Erica Learson, who uh, I bring up, uh, she plays the girl who isn't final, Pepper. <laughs> I bring her up because uh, Erica Learson is the lead in Blair Witch Project 2. And I thought this was stupid because you want to know her character name? Hmm. Erica Gearson. Her name's Erica Learson. And in that movie, she plays Erica Gearson. Great. Does great. she wear a Groucho Marx glasses? Uh-huh. I don't understand. <laughs> I haven't seen Blair Witch 2. Neither have I. I know that it's shit, so like maybe it tries to go with that. Like, it, it really happened. But then Jonathan Frakes comes on and he's like, not a chance. Never <laughs> <laughs> uh, who else? These are all just names. I'll just say them because... None of these people have done anything super significant besides this in my eyes. Sorry, guys. Not shitting on your career. Not that you're listening to this either. You have more money than me. Right. That's okay. 
I'm shitting on you because I am in a position where it's okay. I'm punching up still. It's fine. Uh, Mike Vogel as Buff Shaggy. I mean, Andy. Uh, Eric Balfour as first victim boyfriend Kemper. Lauren German. Unfortunate name. As the suicidal hitchhiker. Just, I am German. I'm not German, but my name is German. Oops. Mm. Uh, we, we got the psychos. We got Terrence Evans as Old Monty. We got Marietta Marish as Luda May Hewitt, who runs the general store, the gas station, whatever. Barely in the movie. Who cares? Heather Kafka as Henrietta Hewitt. David Dorfman as the little kid, Jedediah Hewitt, who uh, I believe has stopped acting. Probably a good uh, good choice. He was in Drillbit Taylor. <laughs> oh, shit. My God. <laughs> he, had a, he had a good uh, child acting career, I guess. And, of course, Arlie Ermey as Sheriff Hoyt. But Leatherface himself is played by Andrew Briniarski, I think is how you pronounce that. Before this, he played Zanjeef in Street Fighter the movie. Fuck yeah, dude. A classic film. Absolutely. <laughs> now that is a good bad movie. That movie sucks. But you know what? It's funny as fuck. God damn, that movie's great. <laughs> Uh, reportedly, he wasn't the first person cast as Leatherface for this movie. And here is what Andrew himself said about it in an interview. Uh, quote, It is true. I will keep it simple. Originally, I asked Michael Bay if I could play Leatherface the same week it was announced he was making the movie. Uh, we had worked together on Pearl Harbor and stayed friendly. Shortly thereafter, the casting people called my people and we started talking. It looked very good. Enter Marcus Nispel. You see, I guess I had figured Michael would be a very hands-on producer, i.e. another director. I was wrong. The movie would be shot completely true to Marcus's vision. Marcus's vision was just to make same thing. Anyway, <laughs> Marcus wanted the biggest guy. Later, we find out some guy lied about his size and physical ability in a big way. They hired the wrong guy, and then on day one, scene one, take one, he is hospitalized slash disabled by the intensity of work and is fired. By now, they needed help. And I was raring to roar. I, it was then that I asked if I could, would, still like to fly to Austin. I told Marcus, don't worry, I'm your man. I was born to wear the mask. I meant it. He knew it. That's that. Uh, I, I will give Andrew some credit here. Yeah, I think he did fine. I'm going to put him at number two on the list. Yeah. Because while the movie itself is not scary in any way and there's no tension, he plays Leatherface okay. Uh, I, the presence of him is still good. He looks scary, I, except for the unmasking scene. That's yeah. dumb. But you know he's better than Texas Chainsaw Two. Uh, I think he's probably better than Texas Chainsaw Three One. Yeah. Although I really liked him typing out food on that computer. Maybe <laughs> we have a debate here. Yeah. I think I like the look of this one more. Me too. Than the one in three, and that's really all it'll come down to. So if we're ranking on my leather faces, I, I guess we do like original remake three two next generation. Yeah, that's fair to me. Yeah, that God, you can't get worse than that next generation one, right? Right. God, I hope not. <laughs> that one was so bad. Uh, filming his leather face was really difficult. 
they filmed in the Texas summer heat. All very similar to the first one. Yes. No shit. Andrew is 300 pounds. He he eats bread and brisket reportedly to bulk up for to be Leatherface. Uh, and then he 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 wears this costume which adds 120 pounds. So he's he's sitting at a good 420. And then add to that Race. extreme heat, heavy chainsaw props, and a silicone mask. That probably sucked ass. He said so, at least. I believe him. Oh, yeah. Imagine you're, <laughs> you're, you're taking off the mask and drinking a gallon of water between scenes. <laughs> I probably, yeah. Uh, it's kind of a common thing with these movies that they're hard to shoot. Yeah. Uh, and then what do you get out of it? Nothing. Not except for the first one. Get something out of that one. So, this doesn't really have anything to do with this movie. But I'm going to talk about it anyway. Because uh, it's juicy. Okay. Uh, This happened in 2015 when Gunnar Hansen fucking died. Gunnar Hansen, of course, played the original Leatherface. Yes. Uh, I'll just bring this up now because, I I mean, it has to do with Andrew here. And I don't know when else to talk about it. We could maybe talk about it next week when he's still in the franchise. But after this, they move away from it and... This has to do with him himself. So since we're talking about him playing Leatherface... Yeah, it's fine. I'll bring this up now. When Gunnar Hansen died in 2015, Andrew Brianarski posted on Facebook, Boo-hoo. This comment... There was a comment to this, said, Nice of you to insult the legend that is Gunnar Hansen. To which Brianarski replied, Quote, could give zero fucks. Suck his dead nuts. <laughs> so, um, so, this didn't sit well with a lot of people. A lot of people were fucking yeah, furious no, no about fucking this. Shit. Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> so you got a bunch of people who, like, are huge fans of Texas Chainsaw going like, fuck you, man. Your remake fucking sucks. Who do you think you are to fucking talk shit? And like, like this guy just fucking died of cancer. Are you a fucking asshole, dude? Uh, and Brianarski also is rude and shitty <laughs> further to more people who are angry and commenting. And he continues to insult them and Gunnar Hansen even more. Until eventually he responds to the controversy with this quote. I was a big supporter of his and was cool with him. He was cool with me. Then he started going around to promote Chainsaw 3D, which we'll watch in two weeks. And he started talking shit at cons and whatnot. I'm not somebody who takes shit from anybody and I tell it like it is. I originally posted a Facebook comment that said, Boo hoo. Yes, no tag, just by itself. Read into it what you will. I never wished for his death or suffering from pancreatic cancer, which I didn't even know he had. Let's make this that a bigger issue upon his sudden death. Cancer sucks worse than haters. Y'all have a nice day. <laughs> oh my god, I want that to be on my gravestone when I die of cancer. <laughs> when you die of cancer? Jesus, have it on my gravestone. Cancer sucks worse than haters. Cancer sucks worse than haters. <laughs> Y'all have a nice day. I'm titling the episode Cancer Sucks Worse Than Haters. <laughs> Please do. That's yeah. fine. Uh, so this guy is a fucking idiot, right? 
<laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. He was a fucking dumbass. At first, I had respect for him because he like it Did seemed a- that he like got this role by like the skin of his teeth, and he was like, "Yeah, I get to be Leatherface." Yeah, and he was like hype about it, uh, and I respected that. That's cool. That's fun. Glad for you, buddy. But then, like, dude, I don't care. All Gunnar Hansen probably said was like, yeah, well, I don't think that Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie was that good. It fucking wasn't. Right. <laughs> it, it was very poorly reviewed. Yeah. And so is its sequel. I mean, prequel, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. Yeah. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, he's in both of those, and then, of course, they recast Leatherface for the next two, final two movies of this franchise, for now. Uh, oddly enough, I'm sure it's in no way related, uh, this man has not really been in a movie since. Damn. I'm sure it's in no way fucking no way. related no to way. him saying, uh, suck his dead nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it is like non-apology fucking quote here. He just said, look, all I said was boo-hoo when like, yeah, but you also said suck his dead nuts, dude. That's a little further. There's no there's no ambiguity about that one. Nope, <laughs> not, not at not all. Not at all, man. Huh. Hey, hey, hey. All right, I want to close this episode out, but it's going to be a little long. Because I want to do something special here. Okay, yeah, go ahead, buddy. This film was a financial success. Whoa. Earning $107 million on a $9.5 million budget. But as I stated before, critics didn't fucking like it. Oh, you're reading me some reviews? I'm going to read you one review. Oh, just one? Okay. And the whole thing. Oh, shit, okay. I think it's great. Whose review? Roger Ebert. Yeah! <laughs> I'm reading it because Roger Ebert gave this a rare honor. Of zero out of four stars. Oh, fuck. Uh, Now, Roger Ebert is a man that uh, doesn't really like violence in movies. Yeah. So take that as you will. But I don't think he just only hates all violence in movies. In fact, there's some illuminating things in this review that I respect his opinion on. I don't necessarily agree with him on anything. Man thought Geely was okay. Like, it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine to disagree with him in some areas. But... You know, I, I think I think throughout his long career in reviewing movies, up to his death in uh, 2013, uh, he's given out a lot of reviews. It's really tough for a movie to get a zero. Around 60 movies have gotten a zero from Roger Ebert, but Roger Ebert reviewed, like, thousands of movies. So it's kind of tough. So here we go. I will read verbatim. Roger Ebert's review of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003. The new version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a contemptible film. Vile, ugly, and brutal. There is not a shred of a reason to see it. Those who defend it will have to dance through mental hoops of their own devising. Defining its meanness and despair as style or vision or a commentary on our world. It is not a commentary on anything except the marriage of slick technology with the materials of a geek show. (laughs) 
The movie is a remake of, or was inspired by, the 1974 horror film by Toby Hooper. That film, at least, had the raw power of its originality. It proceeded from Hooper's fascination with the story and his need to tell it. This new version, made by a man who has previously directed music videos, proceeds from nothing more than a desire to feed on the corpse of a once-living film. There is no worthy or defensible purpose in sight here. The filmmakers wanted to cause disgust and hopelessness in the audience. Ugly emotions are easier to evoke and often more commercial than those that contribute to the ongoing lives of the beholders. The movie begins with grainy newsreel footage of a 1974 massacre, the same one as in the original film. There are some changes, but this is not a sequel. Then we plunge directly into the formula of a dead teenager movie, which begins with living teenagers and kills them one by one. The formula can produce movies that are good, bad, Funny, depressing, whatever. This movie, strewn with blood, bones, rats, fetishes, and severed limbs, photographed in murky darkness, scored with screams, wants to be a test. Can you sit through it? There were times when I intensely wanted to walk out of the theater and into the fresh air and look at the sky and buy an apple and sigh for our <laughs> civilization. <laughs> but I stuck it out. The ending, which is cynical and truncated, confirmed my suspicion that the movie was made by and for those with no attention span. The movie doesn't tell a story in any useful sense, but is simply a series of gruesome events, which finally are over. <laughs> it probably helps to have seen the original film in order to understand what's going on, since there's so little exposition. Only from the earlier film do we have a vague idea of who the people are in this godforsaken house and what their relationship is to one another. The movie is eager to start the gore and unwilling to pause for exposition. I like good horror movies. They can exercise our demons. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre doesn't want to exercise anything. It wants to tramp crap through our imaginations and wipe its feet on our dreams. I think of filmgoers on a date seeing this movie and then, what? I guess they'll have to laugh at it. Irony being a fashionable response to the experience of being had. Certainly they will not be frightened by it. It recycles the same old tired thriller tools that have been worn out in countless better movies. There is the scary noise that is only a cat. The device of loud sudden noises to underline the movements of half-seen shadows. The van that won't start. The truck that won't start. The car that won't start. The character who turns around and sees the slasher standing right behind her. One critic writes, best of all, there's not a, there was not a single case of she's only doing that, falling, going into a scary space, not picking up the gun, because she's in a thriller. Huh? Nobody does anything in this movie for any other reason. There is no reality here. It's all a thriller. There is a controversy involving Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill Volume 1, which some people feel is, quote, too violent. I gave it four stars, found it kind of brilliant, felt it was an exhilarating exercise in nonstop action direction. The material was redeemed, justified, illustrated, and explained by the style. It was a meditation on the martial arts genre, done with intelligence and wit. 
The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a meditation on the Geek Show movie. Tarantino's film is made with grace and joy. This movie is made with venom and cynicism. I doubt that anybody involved in it will be surprised or disappointed if audience members vomit or flee. Do yourself a favor. There are a lot of good movies playing right now that can make you feel a little happier, smarter, sexier, funnier, and more excited or more scared if that's what you want. This is not one of them. Don't let it kill 98 minutes of your life. Damn. Holmes went in. <laughs> this is a big sidebar, but like, I just talk about like how Roger Ebert's such an interesting person, and I, I, I do like adore and respect him very much. Yeah. He's the only person I know that uh, has, that has a, uh, Princess Mononoke is like number three in their top five, top ten movies of all time. That's good taste. And uh, speaking of that good taste, um, the one thing that's so unfortunate because he wrote, he wrote for the LA Sun Times all the way until he died. Yeah. In 2013, right? And he died in April of 2013. And uh, Hayao Miyazaki's quotations final film, The Wind Rises, released in November of 2013, and it's always bums me out that he didn't get to watch and review oh, that film. Fuck, that's the saddest shit. Yeah. Oh, so man. then I, I always think about when I think about Roger Ebert, it's like, man, he would have fucking adored that movie. Yeah, because it's a culmination of like that man's entire work. Yeah, and like for sure. he and he's one of he was one of the biggest when Miyazaki movies first started coming out in English here. He's one of the biggest proponents of them, and like like really pushed them to people with his reviews and stuff. Well, good on him. I'm glad. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people focus on the anti-video game nature of him, but, like... No, but he's also a very smart and, like, well-articulated film critic. There's a reason why he won a Pulitzer. Yeah. Like, there's a reason for it. Well, at the time he was making shit, I, I, I don't know if you could really call video games something that he could make sense of. Yeah. At all. Because he liked movies. So now there's video games that can maybe hang with the best of film. I think so, yeah. For sure, with their concepts. Uh, there's certainly ones that can hang with the worst of films, too. But, um, you know, it, it's a completely different medium. It wasn't for him. I get it. It's fine. Uh, but his work about film as a whole was very good. Yeah. And then this is, a, honestly, a prime example of, like, just how, like well-written that entirely negative review was. I'm not always going to go in that deep on a Roger... I'll usually just say, like, a one-word quote. But, like, in reading that, I was like, I'm just going to say the whole thing. That's exactly how I feel about this movie. Yeah. So, like, yeah. He says it better than we fucking can, for sure. Absolutely, yeah, because he's a fucking Pulitzer-winning writer. <laughs> <laughs> well, beyond that, uh, he can put to words frustrations better yes, than I can. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, I'll just be like, it's boring. <laughs> it's like, fuck this. <laughs> Movie sucks. I mean, I can I can do better than that. But my like, reaction is usually just the blank stare. I usually I can't I can't come out with like this movie made me want to go outside and fresh air <laughs> and buy an apple. <laughs> so I mean I, I won't always do that. I just wanted to give this one the respect it deserved. As Put a that on the poster. Zero out of four star brilliant review. Those are some of his best works right there. Yeah. Like yeah, everybody wants to talk about the movies he liked, sure, but like this dude's zero out of four review of Deuce Bigelow. Oh man, <laughs> legendary, <hard>. legendary <laughs> review. Uh, so unless we have another zero out of four stars review, uh, I probably won't read another whole 
review on our show. I want to put that. I want to put that quote on the on the poster for this movie. This movie may want to go outside and eat an apple. Or buy something. an apple, yeah. <laughs> God, dude. I go outside, see the clouds, buy an apple. <laughs> Please do not see. Do not waste the ninety eight minutes right on the poster. And do not kill your ninety eight minutes of this film. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thank you, Roger Ebert. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Genjub. Genjub Show? G- yeah. What? Which is it? It's it's Genjub. I don't know. Sure. I just post on it. I don't <laughs> know what it is. <laughs> let, let me make, I usually never advertise the Twitter on this, actually. You know, we actually probably should. It's Genjub. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's Genjub. Yeah. Go follow us at Get and Jub. We make we put a little updates about when shit's coming out. And we I try to get do her... it more often than I do do it. But yeah, again, post know. funny memes on there sometimes. I'd like to. It's more fun. Often, uh, I, I've saved a bunch of pictures of weird merchandise from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I'll start putting that on there. Oh, great! I for can't you wait guys to enjoy if you want to. Next week is Texas. Are you farting? Yeah, that was my response well, to that. Well, that's next week. <laughs> yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, is a prequel to this movie. Fuck. And really, that says it all. Fuck. Yeah. There's no fucking possible way it's good. The only way we can go positively is above this one, I think. That's my prediction. If it places on anywhere on our, our ranking above the bottom, it's going to just be above the remake and that's it that's my prediction yeah if it if you have if it isn't worse but maybe it'll be more entertaining if it is worse i just don't think i don't know what happens before the texas chainsaw massacre is of no concern of mine i really don't care wow how did they start eating people i don't care i don't know one day they got up and they're like hey jimmy while we eat meat of cow, let's eat human. And they're like, okay, Jim Bob. And then they did it. Okay, Ron Paul. <laughs> Ron Paul. I can't believe Ron Paul started the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'd still vote for him. No! <laughs> <laughs>